Jeep has officially announced their top dog in their top canine contest. Did your dog make the list of finalists? And from failed hill climb stories to winching techniques, we share some personal stories from our own Jeep lives that may mirror your own. Don't forget to share the Jeep Talk Show with your friends. Just tell them to go to jeeptalkshow.com. You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network Podcast. Are you ready? It's the Jeep Talk Show with Wendy. There will be body damage. Jeep Mama. Are you sure? Josh. Yeah, I don't think so. And Tony. I think that's a huge deal. So sit back, strap in, and brace yourself. This episode is brought to you in part by Extreme Terrain. Extreme Terrain has released a new video this month aimed at helping Jeep Wrangler owners choose the best soft top just in time for their summer adventures. The video is an upgrade to Extreme Terrain's comprehensive Jeep Tops tech guide covering everything needed to help customers shop, swap, maintain, and winterize their top with confidence. You know, it doesn't matter if you have a Jeep, want a Jeep, or never driven anything but Jeeps, this show is for you. Josh, Tammy, Wendy, and myself are here to inform and entertain you while we talk about Jeeps. Jeeps. That's right. <laughs> hey, I'm Josh, and I, well, one of my most favorite Jeep mods ever is the rear view mirror flip. Ooh. And howdy, it's Wendy, that. and I'd like to give a shout out to Chad and Vicki. They are loyal Jeep talk show listeners that I had the pleasure of training this weekend. Oh, nice. very cool. Hey, mm-hmm. I'm Tony, and I was near the Eye of the Beast yesterday. Ooh. No, I didn't visit the local rest area bathroom. I'm speaking, of course, about Hurricane Laura. Well, I thought you were talking about the mother-in-law. So, well, <laughs> oh, mother-in-law is great. I have no problem with mother-in-law. But, uh-huh. for, but for standard jokes, yeah, the mother-in-law jokes are always yeah, great. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Local Jeep News, National Jeep News, and news from around the world. It's This Week in Jeep. Well, what happens when you fight the law? Well, as the song goes, the law wins. Well, usually at least. But there are those very rare times when innocent people stand up to government bullies who use things like civil forfeiture laws to steal their property, and the bullies, unaccustomed to such resistance, fold like a cheap suit. That is the basis behind this harrowing story of a handyman who nearly lost his Jeep to a crooked city government. Kevin McBride is a successful handyman, and his Jeep, the vehicle he uses to make a living each and every day, was seized by Tucson, Arizona police. That is, after his girlfriend allegedly used it, during a transport as transportation during a $25 marijuana sale. Oh boy, better watch out. That's serious cartel action going down here, people. <laughs> well, until last Friday, the Pima <laughs> County Attorney's Office was demanding a $1,900 ransom for the safe return of McBride's lovingly restored Jeep, saying an outright return of the vehicle is inappropriate in this case. Inappropriate? They took the man's Jeep. But the day after, the Goldwater Institute threatened to sue on McBride's behalf, arguing that the Arizona civil forfeiture law unconstitutionally requires property owners to prove their innocence, the prosecutors very quickly changed their tune. Uh, geez, upon inquiry pursuant to uh, ARS uh, 134309 subsections 3A and B, uh, remission is declared. This says a letter dated August 21st from Deputy County Attorney Kevin Kredge, the same official who told McBride in an August 11th letter that he would have to pay $1,900 under a mitigation agreement to get his Jeep back. Okay, the 2000 Jeep Wrangler is released from seizure for forfeiture. The seizing agency and any person holding property for the seizing agency are hereby authorized to arrange release of the seizure for forfeiture of this property. Basically, what they're saying is that they give up, they realize they screwed up, and that this guy can have his Jeep back. 
Goldwater Institute spokesman Mike Brownfield says that there was no explanation given. But I'm going to go out on a limb here and suggest that the government's swift reversal has a little something to do with the negative publicity and legal risk generated by a case like this. A case in which an innocent man lost his only means of transportation, his Jeep, and the basis of his livelihood as a handyman because, he, what, he let his girlfriend take his Jeep to a convenience store so that she could fetch him a cold soda while he was working. The cops now claim that she sold marijuana to an undercover officer for $25. Although the charges against her were severe enough at the time to both warrant the arrest and the seizure of the vehicle, they have since been dropped. Gee, shocking. It's almost as if they had no case at all, no evidence at all whatsoever, and no merit either for arresting this poor girl or impounding the Jeep to begin with. Yet, wow. for reasons which have not been explained to the public by the Tucson County City, uh, Tucson City Police Department, the Jeep remained in custody for weeks, accused of participating in criminal activity. What? Were they planning on giving the Jeep its own day in court? Yeah, yeah, can we get <laughs> fingerprints on this one? This is just r ridiculous. Arizona law would have allowed McBride to challenge the forfeiture by arguing that he did not know and could not have reasonably known about the alleged illegal use of his property, but the burden would have been on him to have proven that, and it would have required months of investigation and evidence collecting and spending thousands of dollars on a lawyer with no guarantee of winning. If the Goldwater Institute had not agreed to represent him for free, Kevin McBride would have literally be destitute right now. Law enforcement agencies now are relying on and counting on those kinds of barriers as a revenue stream. I mean, did you know that the Arizona law enforcement agencies, among other many other state law enforcement agencies, get to keep 100% of the proceeds from the forfeitures that they handle? It's basically Whoa. extortion when the innocent property owners like McBride, when faced with the insane financial obligations that are required to fight forfeitures like this, find out it will cost more than what the property, a Jeep in this case, is likely worth. Average people typically just give up, rightly so, not being able to afford the cost of fighting stuff like this. They cut their losses and simply walk away. Then the city government steps in and, well, in this case, if they would have sold McBride's Jeep for $15,000, which is what he was estimating it's worth at, local cops and prosecutors would have just split the money. Even without risking legal challenge, they would have gotten $1,900 out of the man for the price of a letter if McBride had done the sensible thing by surrendering. Multiple, multiply those ill-gotten gains by all the seizures that happen in just the state of Arizona, and you've got nearly $30 million to pad law enforcement budgets each and every year. And if you don't think that that tends to work policing priorities, well, you've been watching too much TV. While the public safety payoff from seizures like this, like this one, in fact, are absolutely zero, the profit adds up pretty quickly for the crooked agencies operating like this year after year. Goldwater Institute senior attorney Matt Miller said in a press release that, quote, Kevin isn't the only Jeep owner who has been targeted by civil asset forfeiture schemes like this, and unfortunately, he probably won't be the last. The Goldwater Institute will continue to put pressure on states to re reform or repeal these unfair laws, whether through legal action or through state legislature amending these laws to require criminal conviction. So, kitties, what's the theory or the moral of the story here, rather? I'm going to mm. tell you. Don't let anyone, especially your super hot stoner girlfriend, borrow your Jeep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm wondering if perhaps the evidence uh, disappeared in a puff of smoke. Uh, went up in smoke? Yeah, I wonder. <laughs> uh. Teaching I told you guys not to be smoking the evidence. We're, we, we're getting money from these things. 
Yeah, you know, I call this unintended consequences. When you when you start talking about uh, people that are uh, drug kingpins that are uh, bringing in tons of uh, uh, illicit drugs and then selling them on the streets and and uh, having all these uh, these huge cash cow type things, it makes sense to have a, a law like this. But but whenever the other side of it, or the the legal quote unquote legal side of it is, well, well, we've got this power. Let's use it to uh, bring in some revenue that we need so that we can help fight these crimes. Uh, and uh, I, I guess I can see it to a degree because if you're a uh, multi million dollar uh, drug lord. You got uh, lots of money to hire uh, lawyers, not, and the individuals sure. like uh, like this gentleman uh, would not have that, those kind of uh, funds, and is most likely to uh, have to cough up the nineteen hundred dollars at least. So it's very sad. It would be nice if people followed the rules and the intent of the of the laws, but but they don't. But I'm also, gonna, gonna, it's twenty five dollars worth of sale of you know, marijuana, is that really a bad thing? I mean, $25 seems a tiny amount to me to then take someone's property as well. Or well, was that their intention all yeah. along, you know? Well, this is kind of the whole problem that we have. And, and, and I think it's an ongoing problem. It's nothing new. Uh, we, as a, a government and a people, uh, decide what laws should and shouldn't be enforced. And, sure. that's, and that sends in mixed signals to people. And they say, well, it's okay because I think this should happen, and I don't care what the law is, uh, and, and I'm going to do it because it's the right thing to do. Well, it may be the right thing to do, but you're going about it in the incorrect way because it's against the law. Don't do it. Work within the legal con- confines of the government to change that law, and, and, and sorry, you no, may no, not no. get what you want. They are the law. They're above the law, Tony. That that's that's how that how they're that how they picture this. I mean, I'll play play devil's advocate here for just a second. So you know, Arizona borders what Mexico. Who is Mexico's largest drug kingpin for decades? El Chapo. We already know that El Chapo was uh, a Jeep enthusiast. He actually had many Jeeps in his in his uh, uh, in his oh, stable. I wonder if, if we can get him on the show. Well, <laughs> well he's. he's yeah, he's, he's dead. a little uh, incarcerated or jet <laughs> dead, right? Dead. Now. I think yeah. he's dead. Um, uh, in any event, um, you know, I could I could understand some of the law enforcement ages, agencies being a little trigger shy, wanting to just crack down a zero tolerance approach type of thing um, about this because of the amount of drug running that was probably going through their state. Now, whether or not this particular town, whether or not this individual fit any sort of profiling, I, I don't know. But what I am saying is that, you know, likely there was some history of drug running through this city, through this town. Likely there is possibly, at least at one point, a zero tolerance type of thing that was um, at least, uh, I don't know, con- conveyed, uh, implemented, uh, intended, I don't know, uh, with, with the police departments. So maybe they, were, they got a couple guys who are a little too gung-ho with things and maybe a $25 sale was, uh, um, you know, all they could get that week. Um, and, and so they just arrested the person because they're going to arrest anybody, whether they're selling $25,000 of weed or twenty or $25 weed. And, you know, the, the cards are going to fall the way they may. Now, in this case, they just happen to mess with the wrong people. These are not the type of people who are just going to lay down and let their property be seized and taken and forfeit whatever that they own, um, you know, and whatever the police take. So uh, thankfully, some precedence is now being set against these type of things i don't honestly i could care less about what the person was arrested for she could have been pulled over for jaywalk i mean for for littering um you know or jaywalking to get back to the jeep or something like that i don't care it really doesn't matter what the crime was it's really how it was handled then after that point 
Mm-hmm. Well, it's the problem with law enforcement, the uh, judge, the uh, politicians, because like I said, they, uh, the, the law isn't applied evenly. And um, unless it's a, a speeding, uh, speeding stop and I'm the one driving, uh, I think it should be. <laughs> so what's the only lie that you can tell a police officer? No, officer, I had no idea what the house passed I was going. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> well, National Dog Day was Wednesday, August 26th, and this year's 16th annual celebration of all that is dog was emphasized by a very special tribute from Jeep. You may remember back on episode 447 that we talked about Jeep's national search for a new furry representative for the Jeep brand, one that would proudly take center stage in all of the brand's social media advertising and marketing. Dubbed as Jeep's top canine search and using the hashtag top canine, Jeep set out to find the perfect Jeep pooch. Applicants were asked to submit pictures and people could go onto the site portal and vote on their favorites. We, of course, posted up that link in that episode, and we sincerely hope that you supported the brand by voting. Well, the numbers are in, and this week, the results were announced. The top seven finalists in the Jeep Top Canine Contest are Louie from Edwards, Illinois, Stark from Ivyland, Pennsylvania, Luna from Fluggerville, Texas, <laughs> Rolo from Columbus, Ohio, Floyd from San Diego, California, Macy from Edmiston, New York, and Peaches from Madison, Virginia. All cute and very much Jeeping dogs. Jeep waves and milk bones for all, for all of you Jeepers who submitted your own dog and helped out the Jeep brand by voting for your favorite. But despite what the grade schools are teaching our kids, there can be only one winner. And that pooch picked from thousands of other Jeep dogs, man's and Jeep's best friend, crowned king of all doggies and now proudly with the official title of Jeep's top canine, the ultimate Jeep dog and undisputed winner is Bear from Northboro, Massachusetts. Bear looks to be a mostly all-black Australian Shepherd and Lab mix, perhaps. His winning picture has him standing in the back of his Jeep Wrangler, and his paws are draped over the spare tire. As a U.S. flag handkerchief sits comfortably around his neck, and another hangs off the corner of the Jeep in the foreground. Bear's smile and tongue hanging out adds a perfect touch to the charm of this Jeep dog. Chief Marketing Officer for FCA, Oliver Francois, noted that, quote, It's almost an unwritten law that if you take your Jeep out, your dog is coming with you. We couldn't have said it better ourselves. Bear will retain his title for one year until National Dog Day of 2021, that is, when a new top canine will be picked. Congratulations from all of us here at the Jeep Talk Show to Bear and his humans. I, I wonder if uh, anybody uh, submitted a, a dog with a, 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 a French flag, a uh, little handkerchief oh, type Tony. thing, you know, because FCA. No, well, this was a USA uh, uh, marketing. No, I mean, even thing, the guy's so. name that you had in the article was French. Well, so. okay, you know they've got you know okay. You see what I'm saying? You yes. don't know. You got to play the angles. And I got and I do have a serious question here. Don't they make red dogs? Does it have to be a black dog? I mean, could a, a red what? dog have won? No, there's yeah no, ginger dogs. Maybe I don't know about yeah red, ginger. But, I, mean, I don't know about it's red. Not a, it's not a proper red, is it? So <laughs> no, no. No, Tony, no. Now, Wendy, uh, you submitted your dog uh, into this contest, didn't you? Yep, I sure did. So l- let me ask you, wh- did you go back to a picture taken last year? Did, did you go out on a special photo shoot just for this? I, I'm, I'm curious. No, we actually tried to tried to purposely find the right image and we didn't go backwards. We actually took the dog out and uh, we parked next to a creek and 
I ended up submitting one where she was in the back of the Jeep, but I don't think it had quite enough Jeep material around it or something, but oh. she looked good. So it's, you know. Did you take a you fan, just, you know, get the hair flowing and maybe. Just <laughs> <laughs> wake up. Just, just have fun with it. Just it? have fun. No, you keep the top on if you want, but uh, I'm just saying we're trying to win a contest here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, and, Wendy, and, uh, and meanwhile, what, what on is the your... phone, there's, you know, a hundred photos because you take a bunch of different <laughs> angles oh, and styles sure. and yeah. whatever. Oh, you have to. The way it is. Uh, <laughs> Wendy, what is your dog? What, what breed? It's a German Shepherd. Yeah, she's. Oh, she's very a German nice. Yeah, those Shepherd. are fun. <laughs> you, I, I don't I, I don't know how it worked because I'm not a dog owner. I wasn't able to submit uh, a picture myself. Do you know how many how many votes you got uh, or where you stood in the rankings or anything no, like that? Was, were there any metrics really that were provided to, to you? It's really hard to figure that out, which I think was frustrating because you had to submit by a certain date and then they narrowed it down uh, the beginning of August and then you could vote for those. And right. it was almost impossible to figure out where we landed. It just it, it wasn't oh. easy. I'll just say that. So. There's a uh, there's a rumor I read that they are giving away uh, Jeep uh, Trail badges of honor uh, just as kind of uh, you know random uh, trails that you get for submitting your dog. Oh, that'd be kind of fun. There, uh. but there was a lot of dogs. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of dogs in I'm just I'm talking yeah. bad about the Jeep badge of honor, Wendy. Oh, yeah. Gosh, <laughs> sorry. I'm, I'm talking about it. it has no importance. They're just handing them out like lollipops or there you go. Or those your particip- participation yeah, trophies. Exactly. I was just going to say that participation trophy. <laughs> Now oh, I will say, gosh. Wendy, you were you were faced against thousands, if not tens of yes. thousands, of entries, um, and, and so the the you know the the amount of uh, of uh, now what's the word I'm looking for here? Jeez, entries, the of entries, course, the, the entries, the competition. Uh, it, it was pretty pretty intense. I'm yeah, yeah. Level of competition definitely <laughs> you know pretty intense on on, on this one. So um, my question would be: Next year, are you going to try again? Yeah, except I'll have a little more. Uh, Thought process put into it and make sure <laughs> I go. stage it a little differently. Does Obviously. it does it have to be your dog? Maybe you could rent a dog that's a really good looking <laughs> dog. <laughs> I do have friends who have really cool looking dogs. Yeah, but it's, it's kind of neat. I mean, it's it, it was an honor just to do it. You know, why not? And I posted yeah. it on Facebook and did I, Instagram and all those things. And who knows? So we'll, well see. maybe people we'll we'll send next you a year. sticker or something for participating. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> Well, if you've got a news tip or you have a response to any one of our stories, make sure you let us know by phone or by email. Just head over to the JeepTalkShow.com contact to find out how. You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network podcast. Hey guys, it's Joe on Oceanside. Uh, haven't talked to you in a while, but I figured I'd give you an update. I've been uh, listening for about the past three years and... Uh, I've been saving and saving for a, a diesel Rubicon. I really wanted a, a Wrangler Rubicon diesel. Nice. Uh, see, I got a really big dog, and uh, you know, I figured it'd be it'd be great to just have uh, have him in the back of the Jeep. But the thing is, he's so big that he barely fits in the back of a Wrangler. Uh, so my wife said the Jeep isn't big enough for the dog and and the family and luggage. So she wasn't too thrilled about the Jeep. She's been kind of poo pooing the Jeep for. For the past three years, she says it's not comfortable. We we rented a JK Rubicon uh, back in 2016 when we went to Hawaii. I loved the thing, and that's what really kind of got me interested. Uh, but she said it wasn't that comfortable; it was too small. Anyway, uh, I was driving the other day, and I saw this really nice full size truck, and uh, I stopped at the dealer to see it. So um, I told the salesman about my dilemma, and he said that this truck was perfect because it was the most capable full size truck out there. 
I said, but I really have my heart set on a Jeep. He said, well, he goes, you know that uh, Fiat owns Jeep, right? And I was like, well, yeah. And he goes, well, this Raptor truck is from Fiat Off-Road Division. See the abbreviation oh, on the grill? Kind of like a Jeep from Toyota. I got so excited. I'm like, so you mean it's still a Jeep? He said, oh, it's a very special one. He goes, Jeep owners will even have a special way for you. They'll hold one <laughs> finger up and tell you you're number one. I was so excited yeah. to find the perfect vehicle. It met all my needs. I immediately told the guy I wanted one. He, he asked, what color? I said, red, of course. Then he oh. played some stupid game show soundbite and said, sorry, it was the wrong answer. The correct answer was performance blue. Uh, I ended up getting it in lead foot gray anyway. Anyway, I'm super excited with my truck. I love the show, and I'll definitely keep listening once the access denied error goes away when I try to download your, your latest episodes. I'm thinking <laughs> of starting my own Fiat Off-Road Division podcast. I already got resumes from a guy named Josh and two gals named Wendy and Fiat Mama. Anyway, <laughs> hope to see you on the trail soon so we can do that Fiat Off-Road Division wave at each other. Take care. Oh, my Bye. gosh. I'm, oh. Not, I'm not saying divorce is a solution here. Yes. But divorce. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, oh, sad, go, Joe. Just, excellent voicemail, man. Yeah. Excellent voicemail. <laughs> but but honestly, he should just buy the Jeep and go have fun, right? She doesn't want to do it. Leave her at home. God, oh, that's funny. I'd, I, I'd say get a get, if well get a smaller dog for you. Yeah. Wife can have a <laughs> well, wife you, can have a minivan and, and the Beethoven. Well, you, uh, why don't you go ahead and and uh, get yourself a, a nice little Jeep dog and a, and a Jeep to go with it. Well, you know the family or the spouse uh, type thing uh, happened. Uh, uh, with uh, Fiat Mama as well. She wasn't able to uh, enjoy her Jeep with her family, so she just enjoyed it by herself. Yeah, true. Fiat true Mama. I'm going I'm to change everything so that we have Fiat <laughs> Mama from now on. I'm, I'm sure there won't be any fallout. <laughs> oh, man. There'll be $5 spent for a song on Fiverr. Oh, dear. Oh, God. <laughs> Tammy, you got to be on the show or they're going to change everything. Hurry, Tammy. Hurry, get internet. Do not leave the show. You're gonna just we're gonna just change your name and everything. Oh my gosh! Hey, coming up at Tech Talk, we'll look at ball joints. Uh, this isn't re- reference to that mon- uh, that marijuana story, is it, uh, Josh? Uh, no, so, no. I, I, I'm not sure how you could roll one of those. <laughs> ball jo- or or get it hot enough. <laughs> we'll look at ball ball joints, what they are, and how to test them, and other components of the front of your Jeep too. <laughs> Well, hey, Tony, I don't know if you saw this week, we had uh, an email that come in from uh, one of our uh, loyal listeners, uh, Chet, and uh, he's uh, talking about uh, a sad day, kind of a mixed blessing uh, week, in fact. He's um, he's uh, facing some some inclement weather and stuff, but also the sale of his Jeep. But it's also a good day because on Friday, that will be tomorrow as the day we record this, uh, the papers are going through on the old Jeep, and he's going to be going to go look at an 01 Sahara at a place called Dynamic Motorsports, which is just a bit outside of Katy, Texas, in Houston, Texas. Hey, uh, speaking of stickers and swag, Wendy now has, yes, I'm singling you out now, Wendy. Wendy now has a small amount of Jeep Talk Show pins to give away. That's right. You know, the little uh, pins that you need to put. I'm talking about some rambling rod stuff here. What do you know about that? pins type stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So if you just so happen to be wheeling in or around Big Bear and she's sharing some of her expert spotting skills with you, she just might hook you up with a pin for being a good listener. Yep, I might just do that. So uh, how many were there? Uh, I forget now. Since I I didn't get them directly, there was like nine of them or something. There wasn't wasn't a lot of them. No, I think it's nine. I didn't count them, but it, it can't be 
more than that, I don't think. And, and they're about an inch or so uh, in diameter? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're, and they're nice. They're in color, too, which is cool. Red, yeah. white, and blue. Uh, red, white, and blue. Yeah, just like the one uh, Josh has. Uh, sorry, guys, you can't see it. He's holding it up to the camera uh, that, I only, <laughs> I that only I can see. But, yeah, that, that, that's I've exactly got, right. I got four left out of the batch that you gave me uh, years ago. What Tony? kind of responses have you, uh, have you gotten from the uh, cats you tried to stick them to? Um, very confused <laughs> and concerned. <laughs> no, there's a there's what, a pin on them. So, <laughs> wait, what is this? Is this a token or something? Where do I put this in? What slot do I put this in? No, no it's, and what it's, you're supposed yeah. to say is you can listen to one free episode of the Jeep Talk Show with us. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> then they find Hold out they're all free. Hold it up to your free. ear. You can almost <laughs> yeah. hear Tony cry. <laughs> almost. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but uh, have you gotten any responses when you give those things away? I, for, I forgot that you had some. Uh, really, it was, uh, I gave them out to kids, um, when I was at the Jeep show, I think kids last year. Kids can't listen to this show. <laughs> well, you know, but you know, it's, it's cause I'm handing out, uh, you know, I think I had a couple of Jeep mama stickers. I had, uh, I think I still have a few of the, how is my driving or how's my oh, wheeling, yeah, yeah. uh, stickers. So I, I had a couple of those, those still left. One of those and, things, I, I'm the only one that thinks it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I, I, yeah, I was, I was handing out a mix of stuff. And, and so the, the, the pins went to the, went to the kids because the kids would end up just putting a sticker on a, you know, play school toy or something like that. And it would just end up getting, you know, thrown away or beat up or, or whatever. And, and so I wanted the stickers to go onto the Jeeps. Um, and, and so the stickers were going to the adults and, and the Jeep owners, uh, the pins went to the kids. I think I might've handed a couple of stickers out to the kids, but, uh, but you know, I mean, you're handing free stuff to kids. They they give you a smile and they run off. So I mean, that's that's about as as good as it gets, I suppose. Why did you become a paid subscriber to the Jeep Talk Show? I love the show. I've listened to you guys free for uh, years now, and I figure I time to give back. You can be a paid subscriber and help support the show you love, the Jeep Talk Show. It'll just uh, help help the show out, and and then in the end, it'll be Jeep Talk Show in my ear holes. You know, just go to JeepTalkShow.com and look for the big yellow subscribe button. It'd be nice to give back to uh, so that you guys can continue on. Because if they love the show, then why shouldn't you? Why shouldn't you give back just? a little bit so wendy and josh we had a uh, you know some of you guys may not be aware josh you may not be aware we have a facebook group called jeep talk show as, as well as a facebook page just to make mm-hmm. it confusing and anyway uh the uh, there was an individual that wanted to join our facebook uh jeep talk show group and uh i have a few questions set up in there and uh, and one question is uh do you listen to the jeep talk show and his his answer was yes many and I thought, well, that's nice. And then uh, the, mm-hmm. the final question was, are you a paid subscriber to the Jeep Talk Show? And he said, no, I'm a rat bastard. <laughs> <laughs> that's oh, funny. no. See what you started, Tony? So oh, uh, with that in mind, don't be a rat bastard. <laughs> be a paid subscriber to oh, the Jeep Talk Show. We're going to get more of those calls, aren't we? Oh, no. <laughs> more of those voicemails. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, those reviews. I mean, the reviews. literally, what? literally stopped somebody from listening to podcasts, not just ours, all podcasts because of the Every rat. Every single one of them. <laughs> rat yep. bastard comment. You know, <laughs> look how influential we are. That's going in my resume. <laughs> Yep, just go over to jeeptalkshow.com and uh, cruise around there and you will see where you can become a paid subscriber to the Jeep Talk Show. Hey, everyone from Jeep Talk Show. This is Jason again. Um, First off, let's get business out of the way. Um, (laughs) Since I'm caller number seven, I don't like to blush. But this um, is the phrase that pays, the the clutch with balls. 
Um, anyways, I'm going to go down the list real quick. Uh, Wendy, good job for the newbie nugget. I do enjoy that. Uh, pretty good. Uh, cool. Josh, a little tech talk. What kind of software do you use when you're editing film? I just got a GoPro, and of course I can get on YouTube, but this could be a good episode for, uh, a little segment for your talk show that you're posting it. And Tony, I am up to episode 11, I believe, of the XJ Talk. Well, now it's the G Talk Show. And, man, I am, like, hooked, man. It is so good. Like, at first, first episode, I was like, oh, geez, where is this guy going? Now it's like, I, I was binging it, then I got to take a break because I can't listen to your voice all the time. But um, <laughs> you, I found a couple things. Episode three um, is when your Jeep, when you first discussed your Jeep overheating. So that was like 2010. And your Jeep is today, 2020. It's still overheating, man. Like, so let's figure that out. You feel my and, pain. And uh, episode four is when you first said that you like the color red. And you had a guest on to talk about thread design as well. Episode four is really good. Um, other than that, hope you guys are doing well. Hope you're wearing masks. And uh, keep it up. Talk to you later. Bye. <laughs> All right, Jason, I'm going to I'm going to give you a quick answer on the air right here right now. Uh when I'm doing the GoPro stuff, it's uh depending on where I'm going to be posting it or how big of files that I'm working with, it's either going to be honestly Movie Maker because uh it's just very intuitive, it's very easy to use and if I'm use, just doing quick clips and stuff like that, um if I've just got a bunch of, you know, 15 or 30 second clips uh to put together, bam, very easy to do. Now, if I'm digesting some very uh, some larger files uh, where I was on a trail for a half hour, 45 minutes, I've got to go through there, uh, di- you know, go through all that, uh, pick it out, you know, edit out all the bad and boring parts and all that sort of stuff. I'm going to be using a program called Camtasia, uh, C-A-M-T-A-S-I-A. Camtasia has been around for a while. Um, I, no commercial here. They're not paying me or anything like that. I've just used the software I love it because it's so very easy to use and it's extremely powerful. Uh, they've got some really good uh, plugins and stuff like that as well. There's a lot of support behind it, um, and it's just it's easy to use and it's cheap. Um, is it free? No, unfortunately, it's not free. If you if you are stuck to a low budget um, or or no budget at all, then then video editing software is going to be out of your reach, with the exception of of things like Movie Maker or other freeware programs. Um, if you have a little bit of money, two to three hundred dollars, that kind of a range, uh, Camtasia will pay for itself in the in in what it will allow you to do as far as video editing, the tools and the plugins and stuff like that, and just how easy it is to use. Um, it's worth every penny. I highly recommend it. And when you say pay for itself, you mean in good feelings because you're not making any money off of these videos that you're making. Well, I mean, you know, if he turns himself into a YouTube star based on the uh, it, videos that just, he edits. I just uh, want to clarify then? pay for itself because it hasn't, it hasn't paid for itself with you, I suspect. No, absolutely not. <laughs> okay. My YouTube channel makes no money. I, yeah, so, I get no paycheck from anything that I post on YouTube or anywhere else. As I don't want to get anybody jazzed up. Like, oh my God, I'll make money with this. So sure, yeah. And when Ooh. I saw when I saw Camtasia in the show notes where uh, you were just typing it in after uh, hearing the, uh, the 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 voicemail, I thought to myself, mm-hmm. Good Lord, that thing's like two hundred and fifty bucks. It's it's yeah. very expensive. Uh, it it so. is expensive, but it, it it it's worth every penny. Now, could you find some other stuff out there? I'll Possibly. The other thing that Camtasia d- allows you to do is, is run multiple cameras at once. If you were, if you were, uh, had a, uh, um, a studio 
uh, for instance. So if you wanted to do a YouTube channel, uh, something like that, where you are doing interviews or product uh, videos or something like that, you can control multiple cameras at the same time off of the computer that you use for video editing, separate from the computer or from the uh, rather uh, the camera that you have in the field that you use to to film footage with outside of the outside of the house. So this is a multi-platform uh, video editor as well. It doesn't do just external videos. It also has internal uh, camera uh, controlling as well. Yeah, I just I didn't want to to uh, make uh, you or anybody else think that it's not worth the money. I just want to make sure that uh, that uh, people understood that it is it is kind of expensive when it comes yeah. to software. No, so, well, yeah, like I said, two or three hundred dollars, uh, depending on where you go and and the you know the sort of plugins or the package that you want to buy with it. It it, it can get expensive, um, but if you are looking for a powerful video editing suite, that is one option. I have been so close to purchasing some uh, Adobe uh, software, but of course now it's all subscription based, and <laughs> I'm not oh, getting it's on all that. cloud based too, which I yeah. absolutely hate. So cloud based means somebody else's computer. So yep. <laughs> your crap is on somebody else's computer, and yep. they, and they call it cloud. Oh, jeez, just that's how they get Not you. It. That's how they get you. Oh, yep. and by the way, Jason seems to have forgotten somebody on the team, so he called uh -oh. back. Oh, uh oh. Hey, this is Jason again, and boy, is my face red. I forgot <laughs> all about Jeep Mama. Jeep Mama, be up, Mama. Keep doing what you're doing, girl. Keep traveling the country. Everybody else is at home doing nothing you're wheeling all over the place um quick story as well since i got you on the line um <laughs> okay so about a while month ago while you're in there. Uh, i got a friend yeah. listening to your podcast the jeep talk show that's right ring the bell tony so he uh he's been listening to it he likes it and everything but there is a flaw Every time I talk to him, either by text or he leaves me a voicemail, he calls me Rat Bastard. <laughs> hey, you Rat Bastard, how are you? <laughs> so, thanks, Tony, because now my friend has a new word to call me. Rat Bastard. Words. Oh, all right, other than that, you guys enjoy yourself. Talk to you later. Show him, well, show him a receipt that you're a paid subscriber, yes. and you're no longer I'll a rat away. bastard. That's I'll right. I'll go solve away. That problem. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, good times! I love Jason, man. This is this is my new favorite <laughs> listener. I love this guy. He uh, needs to join us in the uh, the, the fireside chat. Yeah, and he's being the, the, in there with the, the Zoom, Zoom people. Yeah, he is, Jason. He has risen himself to the Zoom people level. That's right. Come and, on in, Jason. And, and that's not a derogatory term at all. <laughs> So. No, it's not. It's positive. It's a lot That's of fun. right. Bring him down to our level. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jason may not want to now. Hello, brother. I uh, absolutely love listener interaction. It is just so much fun uh, hearing from you guys. And, you know, this, uh, I don't care if you if you can't put two syllables together. Call in. We're going to love hearing from you. But some of the voicemails we got this week were just amazing. You got tech questions? Ah, oh, what do I ever? We have answers. Oh, that's good. I think, I, it's Tech Talk with Jeep Talk. Yahoo! You know, ball joints are one of those uh, often overlooked components of our Jeeps that we typically don't pay attention to. That is, until they fail. And <laughs> a failing ball joint can produce all kinds of problems from poor tire wear, bad alignment, poor steering response, and even, dare I say it, 
the condition whose name shall not be spoken, death wobble. Ball joints are much like the human hip in the sense that they work just like the ball and socket design of the joint on our body. A ball joint consists of a bearing stud and a socket enclosed in the casing. The bearing stud is, a ta is tapered and threaded, and this is the end that fits into a tapered hole in the steering knuckle. A protective encasing prevents dirt from getting into the ball joint assembly, and usually this is a rubber-like boot that allows movement and expansion of lubricant. The joint itself is designed to articulate and provide soft and controlled steering. If the protective boot has ruptured or the grease has leaked out, or the, the joint could be then be compromised, causing dangerously excessive movement vertically or horizontally, which can, well, cause a whole myriad of issues. A quick visual inspection will be sufficient in determining the condition of the grease boot if yours is so equipped. The, uh, uh, so other than looking at the things, how else can we tell if this critical component of our Jeep's front end is going bad? Well, if you have a dial indicator handy, which most of us don't, you can check the vertical and horizontal movement that way, but that gets into knowing the specific allowances of that ball joint when compared to the factory tolerances, and these are all numbers most of us don't have access to. Okay, so now what? Well, other, another test that you can do is with a jack and a friend. Jack up one corner of the Jeep until the wheel is off the ground. Have your friend use their super sharp eagle eye vision to watch one of the two ball joints at that corner of the Jeep very carefully. And now would be the perfect time for you to take off and go have a nice cold beer. When you get back, thank your friend for keeping an eye on your parts and watch out for the left hook. Next, take a pry bar and a big stick or a broom handle or anything long and strong enough to give you some prying leverage and place it in between the floor and your tire. Using the pry bar, push up on the tire a couple of times, and if your friend sees any slight movement between the ball joint and the steering knuckle, well, then it is likely worn out and should be replaced. Allowable ball joint play is measured in the millimeters, so if there is any obvious movement, the ball joint has likely failed. So as long as the knuckle freely rotates and there is no side-to-side -side play, well, then you are likely fine. Have your friend watch the other ball joint for that which uh, for that wheel and do the test again to see if the second joint is worn out as well. If you finish testing both ball joints on that side, move over to the other side and repeat the tests. Now, speaking of tests, while you're in there, you might as well do the test to check your wheel bearings. Good thing you didn't bail on that friend helping you to go have a beer or something because you're going to need another set of eyes again. This next test is going to look at the tie rod or, more importantly, its ends. This will be easy, as easy as grabbing the tire in the 3 o'clock and 9 o'clock positions, and while you're having your friend watch the tie rod ends, try to wiggle the tire from side to side. If your friend sees the tie rod end wiggle back and forth, but the tie rod bar itself is not moving, then the tie rod end is worn out. If the rod end is worn, or if the rubber boot on the rod end is damaged or missing altogether, then that rod end should be replaced. Note that on some stock Jeep steering systems, the entire tie rod will need to be replaced, as they were designed with a non-serviceable end that is actually all one piece with the rod itself. In this case, this, this will be the perfect time for an upgrade. Cue Wendy's uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> You're going to repeat this test on each wheel to check the other tie rods, at least on the front end, that is. During these tests, you or your friend should be watching the other signs of front-end component wear and excessive movement as well. The track bar ends should be inspected, as should the axle and frame side mounts. Those should be checked for excessive play, where the ball joint, where the bolt rather, goes through the mount itself. This hole can get wallowed out over time and cause all kinds of steering and handling issues too. Now, just as easy as the last test and another one of those while you're in there moments is the wheel bearing test. 
The wheel bearings on your Jeep are tested in a manner much like your tie rod ends. With one of your front wheels off the ground, place your hands on the 6 and 12 o'clock positions of the tire this time. Try to wiggle the wheel from the top to the bottom. If you feel movement, your wheel bearing is most likely worn out and should be replaced. Move to the other side and repeat the test. These are the three tests that I just these three tests that I just taught you are the basic critical steps in diagnosing death wobble. So now you can teach this to other Jeepers, and we might just be able to keep this scourge of the solid axle away for good. As with any time that you are working with a vehicle that is jacked up off the ground and has a wheel in the air or more than one wheel in the air, be sure to exercise extreme caution and safety. And as always, if this or any of the topics covered in Tech Talk are above your skill set or comfort level, please take the Jeep into a qualified mechanic. Absolutely. We, don't, uh, we have so few listeners. We don't want to lose anybody or fingers because you need fingers to press the press the play button. So it's all about us, folks. It's all about <laughs> the priorities, people. Priorities. It's all about us. <laughs> no, seriously, well, be, be really I, careful out there because there's uh, it's very easy to get hurt. Yeah, I just think it was interesting to follow. Actually, could visualize these uh, simple tests being done. You know, with your friend too, having somebody else there. So. Yeah, and good, a lot of the stuff, it's really simple. Yeah. Yeah, visual inspections of the Jeep oftentimes require two people because it, it usually requires uh, something moving, uh, you know, moving the steering wheel back and forth, uh, testing for play, things like that, moving the suspension, moving a tire, a wheel, something like that. And, and typically that involves a lot of manpower, um, which usually requires another set of eyes to do the inspection process. So whether or not you are the one who are using the eyes or whether you are the one who's using the muscles, make sure that you have a buddy on hand. Uh, anytime that you're working on a vehicle, it's good to have somebody else around anyways, if nothing else for moral support, but also, you know, the buddy system type of thing. Should the worst happen and an accident happen, it's good to have another person there who can, uh, you know, apply first aid, uh, apply a rescue, uh, call 911, you know, that sort of thing, or just hand you a wrench or hold the flashlight. Exactly. Um, and there's uh, there's another way that you can do that. What are those big? Is I think it's just called a pry bar, but it looks like a big ass screwdriver. It's about you know three feet long. Yeah, it's a pry bar. Is it a pry bar? And yeah. but it has like a screwdriver handle on it. But you can actually use That's those right. to move things if you're by yourself. But it's so I mean, you know, why buy a tool? Uh, all you have to do is rent a friend and get them to turn the <laughs> steering wheel back and forth. There you go. And 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 also too, it's the slightest amount of shifting that you're looking for. I was shocked at how. Uh, whenever I was uh, fixing a death wobble uh, issue on my wife's 2003 TJ, uh, which is either sleep outside or fix it because it was death wobble. And <laughs> that it was. Why did we hear about this on the show? Wait exactly. a minute. Back Where's up Eddie's a minute. She's, she's over there. She's over there like 50 miles from the home, from the house. I think she was actually going to my mom's uh, house to do oh. something for her. And uh, she's between 18-wheelers. I th- I'm sure I've told this. She's between 18-wheelers on I-10, 70 miles an hour, and death wobble hits. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, it was it was fix it. But interestingly fix enough. else. Yeah. <laughs> if, interestingly enough, uh, whenever I was out there diagnosing it, it wasn't her on the steering wheel turning it back and forth. It was one of my daughters. So, it was, oh, a, okay. it was important, <laughs> but it was important enough to actually come out there and turn the steering wheel for me. So, uh, but uh, yeah, it was it was amazing to me that it was such a slight movement, and I'm pretty sure it was the track bar 
Uh, most of the time, that's your that's going to be your death wobble issue is tra- the track bar. But the track, I mean, like a sixteenth of an inch. It was just not much movement at all, but it was enough to let that harmonic vibration uh, start uh, start and get worse. So that's right. I think the the old rule of thumb is for ball joints around like fifty thousandths of an inch uh, moving. This is this is less wow. than a sixteenth of an inch, or, or right around a. You know, this is just above a thirty second of an inch and less than a sixteenth of an inch. Um, and, and so you know. We're talking about, I mean, very, very small amounts of movement here. You really do need to have a trained eye, an eye who knows what they're looking for. And just any movement at all, there should be some movement in a ball joint. All ball joints, well, I should say most ball joints. Some ball joints are on some vehicles are meant to have zero play whatsoever. On Jeeps, there should be at least a little tiny bit. Um, But again, um, we're talking, you know, fractions of a fraction of an inch. Um, so, you know, 10 or 20 thousandths of an inch is fine. When you get into the 30, 40 or 50 thousandths of an inch uh, movement, well, then that may be a little bit excessive. And, and if you're anything more than that, well, then clearly it's time to replace that ball joint. Uh, for you guys in West Virginia, that would be a Nat's eyelash. <laughs> Fleas fart. Yeah. A CH in some places. Well, I'm not going to describe it. Why the hell is he picking on me? <laughs> <laughs> Now we're going to get callers from those states. Good. Oh, there we go. (laughs) (laughs) What what you going to do? Act right would be one possible solution, but they ain't having it. Um, So, uh, yeah. Anyway, the death wobble. Oh, I I remember I was going to say Dr. Death Wobble. He's, uh, I I don't have the the episode uh, right off the top top of my head, but uh, you can go to jeeptalkshow.com, use the little search function, put in uh, death wobble, and then uh, you should just look for Dr. Death Wobble. Great information online on uh, Episode YouTube. Episode 393, Tony. That's oh, a, boy. That's amazing, Josh. I don't know how you keep those things straight uh, in red. Josh, you're so smart. <laughs> what was it again? Episode 393 for our interview with Dr. Death There Wobble. you go. Great uh, great information, and there's a lot of uh, understanding about Death Wobble. And as I always say, if you didn't think you were going to die, it wasn't Death Wobble. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. It's well a little, little shimmy. Well nah, it's shimmy is not death wobble. It's not it. <laughs> death wobble is a, a violent uh, <laughs> ordeal that you go through and you think, oh my God, this is it. So yeah, if, it, if you haven't thought you were going to die, it wasn't death wobble. Well, do you have anything to add to this topic or maybe you have a question for Tech Talk? Just jump over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and send us a message. Hey, Tony. Uh, great interview with Center Force, and it's so funny because I just happened to be going to do a clutch tomorrow, and uh, not on my Jeep, not on my Jeep, not on one of my Jeeps, but on a buddy of mine, and uh, I told him Center Force, that's what you need to get, and uh, we do have a throw out there, and just happened to have it laying around, it is a Center Force. Anyways, right <laughs> uh, the clutch with balls, and that's the only thing to use, especially when your Jeep's got balls. Uh, you got to have a clutch that's got balls. Uh, anyways, thanks, guys. I appreciate you, even though I never win. Well, I can't say I never win, because I've won before, but I appreciate the show. At least he's uh, honest. I didn't have to call him out. Well, what about that thing? What about oh, that one time? Yeah. No, good times. Good times. <laughs> I know how he feels. I don't feel like I win anything either, but uh, I think it's the it's not the, the billion dollar bank 
deposit type thing then even then after a while i'd probably say ah, i never won anything well, sure i won that billion dollars that one time but god that was six <laughs> months ago you know so it's it's all relative hey speaking of center force clutch i don't know if uh, josh wendy you guys were aware but we had a a giveaway last week uh with uh, yeah, center yeah, force we did and uh-huh. all you needed was uh, somebody to call in, be the right caller with the phrase that pays, yep. as we put it, and uh, mm-hmm. and they would have won themselves this amazing prize package from Center Force Clutch. And, and, and my understanding is, and we'll have to find out for sure, but based on the conversation and interview last week, it was like a, a complete clutch system. It's not like one part oh. of it. It's the entire thing. Pressure plate, uh, clutch disc, uh, that... Uh, a very heavy uh, a flywheel that allows you to uh, that keep the engine from stalling so much. Uh, Forty pounds. Uh, too? Jeez. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. That was it. Exactly. So, I mean, this is a big deal. I mean, I think the only thing I've ever uh, the, the, the known that we've had that's bigger than this is a set of tires from uh, BF Goodrich. So, uh, and and depending on how you look at it, uh, they could be one could be more important than the other. I mean, it's great to have yeah, nice seriously. looking tires, but if you can't move the Jeep. It's, <laughs> it's a showpiece. <laughs> so, uh, you know, just mentioning last week, we had Will Beatty of centerforce.com and they provided us with a great giveaway for you, the Jeep Talk Show listener. If you haven't heard the interview with Will, go to episode 451 and enjoy. Now, here's the winner of the centerforce.com clutch system. Hey, Jeep Talk Show. This is Steve from Iowa calling in for the contest this week. Uh, of course, on Friday, having surgery, so of course, I didn't get to listen to it until this morning, but I'll throw oh, my wow. hat during Center Force Clutches, the clutch with balls. So hopefully I'm 10, but probably not, but still enjoy listening to you guys, and keep up the good work. Have I, a great week. I just realized, he said he, he, he was hoping he was caller number 10. I, th- I think that disqualifies him from winning oh, the, the, Tony. the clutch, right? Is that right? Tony. No, he had the phrase that pays. He called in. It, it didn't But it was matter. caller number seven. He doesn't know what number he is. How would he know what uh, number he is? He listens to the radio. They always do caller 10. <laughs> so, all right. So, you'll be, we will be getting in contact with you. So, keep a, a look at your, uh, your text messages from the phone you uh, called us uh, with. And uh, congratulations on winning the Center Force uh, Complete Clutch System. So yeah, if you did Congrats didn't, to, to Steve there from, what is it, Ohio? Uh, I think he said Iowa. 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 Well, the other one with the I's and the O's in it. <laughs> <laughs> so, but you, but you can be a winner too. Watch this, Josh. But you can be a winner too, even though that you didn't get this Center Force Clutch, you could go to centerforce.com and get your own clutch system uh, or from any, any place. I mean, Amazon even carries these things. So, uh, great system. Listen to the interview. There was great information in there about what clutch you want to get. And that uh, clutch system, too. Uh, what was it, Josh? Is it system two? What, what did they call it? You said it was just a few seconds ago. I, yeah, I think I used the word Series? system as well. Yeah. So the, that seems to be the really good one uh, to get, the one that uh, a lot of people like. And I, if I remember correctly, Sean Holloman uh, also passed uh, uh, interviewee. Uh, that's what he got on his brand new JL. He went and had the, the factory one removed and had the center force clutch put in. So that's how important that was to Sean. Wow. So, yeah. So if you're going to wow. get, don't do what I did because I didn't know about the center force clutch uh, until after I purchased the, the Luke uh, stuff, L-U-K Aww. stuff uh, from Amazon. So all that work I did on my wife's uh, TJ. Uh, it has, uh, it's, it's brand new. It's nice. It's fine. But I would have liked to have had that centrifugal, 
uh, flywheel in there so that uh, had a little heavier mm-hmm. feel to it. it would have died as easy might be able to back it into the garage without uh, stalling it every time <laughs> <laughs> so congratulations and uh, you guys keep listening and get that jeep talk show app so you can be the first person to hear new episodes every friday because you're going to want to know about uh, the giveaways whenever they come up oh and uh, by the way you can also list, uh, subscribe to our newsletter, jeeptalkshow.com slash newsletter, and uh, you might see some information there about our giveaways. Ooh, so yeah, that's right. Those get, are, uh, get the, uh, the, the, the inside baseball, get exactly. the inside information. That's right. Those are the two key ways of finding out about what's going on in the show before everybody else. I like it. Well, uh, once again, congratulations to Steve from Iowa for, for winning the centerforce.com uh, clutch uh, prize giveaway that we were doing. Uh, and speaking of Steve's, I, I actually have another Steve uh, that I've got to give some props and kudos to. Um, Steve 4.3 LXJ, longtime listener, loyal listener of the show uh, and supporter of the show, actually contributor as well. Steve uh, had a, a series of quick tips um, that he did for us for the show for, for quite a long time. Uh, very, very useful information. Uh, lots of great. I mean, this guy is an absolute Wikipedia oh, as man, far so as Jeep information goes, hmm. uh, including Jeep history as well. Uh, and, and so, uh, Steve has been a, a great resource for information for the show, um, and, and a good friend of the show as well. Um, last week I was talking about some, um, some cooling system woes, um, yeah, right back to Tony there. Um, and, and uh, how, uh, the, my last wheeling trip and likely due to a, a nasty sideways recovery, uh, with a winch pull, um, I ended up pushing the, uh, the tip of my electric fan into my radiator. And, and so, um, I, I was asking for, uh, some tips and some advice, maybe some inspiration, um, as to what I could do to alleviate this problem, possibly even redesign my system altogether. Well, Steve 4.3 LXJ, longtime listener, fan of the show as well. He called me or texted me rather, um, because he and I have been in contact, uh, in the past, uh, when I went out on the Rubicon trail, he, the Rubicon trail is nearly in his backyard uh, and if it weren't for some uh, unforeseen mechanical issues, he would have joined me on that trip. Um, and so he and I were, were talking uh, throughout that whole process. Uh, so Steve and I have each other's contact information. He reached out to me um, because of my call to action. I was looking for listeners to give me some inspiration as to the direction that I should go uh, with my electrical fan issues. And, and I'd even proposed a couple of issue, a couple of uh, ideas that I was going to uh, you know, uh, try. Uh, but Steve was like, hey, hold off on that. Um, check out these pictures that I'm sending you. I might have a solution for you. Mm. So Steve has been running a, a, a custom shroud that is able to house a Taurus fan and the electrical fan that I have right now, cooling the, uh, four liter inline six in my 99 Cherokee, um, is a, uh, a V six Saturn view fan and it moves a serious amount of air, but as so does the Taurus fan. Now the Taurus yeah. fan has been the typical go-to electric fan uh, junkyard option, if you will, uh, for, for Jeep owners uh, for, for an electric cooling fan. Uh, because remind, it, it is, remind people what the Taurus fan is. What the Taurus of. fan comes out of a Ford Taurus um, and is out of specifically out of the 3.8 liter um, V6 uh, Tauruses, uh, the Ford Taurus that made, and uh, a number of years compatibility right there. The reason why this fan in particular works is because one, it's it's relatively thin, but two, it moves a massive so amount of air. Much air. <laughs> it's also a two-speed fan. It's a three-wire motor. It has a it, it has two speeds. Um, it has a low and a high-speed fan, and so this flexibility um, in with one motor and a single fan 
uh, has been the go-to option for for Jeepers for decades uh, for for an option as far as a junkyard mod to put an electric fan in your Jeep, get rid of the mechanical fan, free up some horsepower and some torque, uh, and improve your cooling. Uh, and, and so, you know, whether that those results are for everybody, you know, your mileage may vary. But anyway, Steve and I uh, went back and forth for a better part of an hour or two, um, kind of going over some options, whether or not this would work, whether or not the shroud um, that he had custom made, uh, all I think it's aluminum actually, uh, custom bent and everything like that, actually holds a uh, a separate fan as well as an auxiliary fan. So I'm gonna have I'm gonna go back to a two fan system. Right now I just have a single fan system, which works very well because it moves so much air. Uh, now I'm going to actually be incorporating some redundancy in here and be able to have a backup fan as well. So I, I got to give big props, big kudos, and an extra large, you know, Jeep sh- Jeep talk show thank you uh, to Steve uh, 4.3 LXJ for um, just from me personally for helping me out for responding to my call to action last week. He was the only listener of the show who responded to my call of action. So for all the uh, rest of you out there, you are now rat bastards too. <laughs> Each and every one of you, except for Steve. So Steve is uh, actually uh, talking about contributor type things. He's uh, he's working on a segment for us, by the way, guys. So oh, is he really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right so, on. <laughs> I, I figured. I don't think I had mentioned that to you guys. No, the, you didn't. I had no idea. Actually, yeah. so <laughs> he uh, he's telling me uh, uh, another segment is coming. So uh, you guys haven't heard from Steve in a long time. You should be hearing from him uh, real soon. So. Yep, yep, that ought to be good. Uh, the Taurus fan is one of the few fans, electric fans, that uh, has the comparable uh, CFM of the Jeep XJ mechanical fan. That's so right. I think it is right. I think they're dead even. Something around, uh, and I'm probably saying this wrong, but it's, uh, the number 3000 CFM is coming to mind. Is, yeah, I uh, think that right? because nobody actually knows what the what the real CFM movement of the factory fan was. Um, you know, it 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 kind of I I think it kind of depended uh, a little bit on you know whether or not you were a Renix motor, whether or not you were um, had the high output motor, whether or not you you had uh, maybe the the high flow head or something like that. There were some some debates as to whether or not uh, there were different clutch fans used clutches uh, for the fans used in different years. Um, with fan blades, uh, might've varied uh, a little bit from year to year. So there, there was a lot of debate as far as the exact CFM, uh, that was able to be pulled through the factory fan of a, of a four liter inline six. Um, that being said, the, the roundabout go-to figure, um, was around 3000 CFM. Anything below that, and it seemed that people were having occasionally in some of the hotter climates, some heating issues. Um, anything above that, well, clearly you're, you're moving a lot of air and you don't have any issues. So that, that was kind of the mark to beat. That, that was the bar to measure uh, fans by was the 3000 CFM mark. And of course, it all depends on how much load you're putting on the engine. And off-road, generally, there's a lot, a lot of uh, load. So that was well, causing your issues. You know, if you're, if you're oh, in absolutely. Alaska, well, uh, you humidity, probably don't have a lot to worry about. Uh, air temps, you know, And if you're, absolutely. you're down in Louisiana, well, then you probably got a lot more to worry about. Yeah. You know, I wonder, I bet you I wouldn't have a cooling issue driving down the highway whenever Laura was coming through last night with 150 mile per hour winds. That probably would be enough air to keep my Jeep cool on the highway. This was a tailwind. <laughs> no, no, no. Couldn't, couldn't do that. That would be wild, though. That would be like negative airflow. No, you would get great gas mileage. That's very true. I got a tailwind. <laughs> <laughs> Look out. Here I come. <laughs> 
You can listen to the Jeep Talk Show live. You never know what will happen or where the conversation will go. We can only hear you. Uh oh. So you're actually getting the best part of the show, is what you're saying. Uh, yeah. Uh, Join us every Thursday night and be part of our virtual campfire. It's the Zoom People Fault. Or oh, whoever the spokesperson was. <laughs> We're starting our own Zoom People podcast. <laughs> Follow us on Facebook and know when and how you can join the conversation. Was it an accident or was it on purpose? Oh, yeah. Now, since we uh, we did that uh, promo, we've added the newsletter. So remember to go to jeeptalkshow.com slash newsletter and sign up for our newsletter. And then you'll also know about when the Zoom meetings are occurring. You know, we mentioned at the top of the show, too, that Extreme Terrain has released a new video. This video it begins with Extreme uh, Terrain host Meredith Evasu breaking down four kinds, four different kinds of soft tops. She shows them installed on Jeep JKs and JLs, along with an overview of the benefits of each and every design. As Meredith point, points out, the tops are available for every generation and can be found on Extreme Terrain's website. Customers can choose a complete replacement soft top, great as a warm weather replacement, or for those who have a damaged or broken hardware on their current top. The next style is a replacement style soft top. This is for the Jeep owner who already has a soft top installed on the Wrangler and just wants to replace the fabric if their frame is in good condition. If Jeep owners are looking for extra sun protection, Meredith urges them to consider installing a mesh top to stave off damaging UV rays while still allowing light and air to pass through. The last style Meredith reviews is a bikini top or brief top. While not a complete replacement top, the bikini top does offer both light and weather protection and often involves the use of a header for installation. Choosing the right top is a big commitment. With all the options that are out there, the new video helps Jeepers feel a little bit better equipped to choose a top that works best for their rig. It's a welcome addition to the vast array of information already available inside Extreme Terrain's Jeep Tops Tech Guide. Be sure and visit ExtremeTerrain.com for more information on choosing your Wrangler soft top and for a wide array of products for your Jeep. We'll have a link to Meredith's video in this episode's show notes. You know, uh, I think I personally would prefer the brief uh, top, but I'm surprised they don't have a boxer uh, offering. Oh, Tony. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I wasn't even going Nikki, there. And he Nikki went there. G I, can't seriously. have all the fun. <laughs> no, 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 no. Worse than any Nikki G joke in the 10 oh, plus years that I've been you. doing this. This yes. is, oh, seriously. that was bad. <laughs> oh, man. What? Where's the noob? Noob. 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 Hey, newbie. Newbie. Noob. Nugget. It's time for Newbie Nuggets. Well, I just wanted to share a story. We were on a training run helping Don with the student, and along came this small Toyota truck, fairly set off for off-roading. But as he passed this one particular hill climb, he kind of stopped and backed up and decided to climb this obstacle. Now, I wish I'd had the video camera because I kind of knew he was just going to provide a great video on what not to do. <laughs> well, oh, he didn't disappoint. He revved up the engine and hit it. Climbing the hill on the wrong line, in my opinion. And as he got to the top, there's this huge hole on the right-hand side of the hill. And if you don't pick the right line, you really can't make it up at all. Well, he took the wrong line. And as he fell into the hole, he got stuck and began to spin his tires a lot. So much so that the rooster tail of Dirty Created was exactly what I was describing to the students that you don't do in trail climbing. Well, he continued to spin and the tires eventually grabbed the dirt and pulled him up slightly. However, he was not on the right line and darn near flipped it over backwards. Oh, I'm not gee. kidding you. I mean, you could see the whole top and everything. It was crazy. I have no idea how he stayed upright, balancing like a top back and forth. 
Now, since he wasn't going to make it up, he made a good decision and started to back down the hill and almost flipped it again. It was <laughs> kind of funny. And he got to the bottom, turned around, and went on his merry way down the trail. And just sort of got me thinking, you know, I wonder if Jeepers really know why it's a good idea to air down the tires when you're off-roading. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's kind of important. So uh, airing down the tires for rock crawling or desert riding, snow and mud offer several advantages for wheeling. And we've discussed in previous episodes the different types of tools for airing down and airing up. And we've also discussed how much to air down, which is determined by your tire, sidewall stiffness, what vehicle you're driving, and the type of terrain or obstacle. But I just kind of wanted to cover the reasons that we sort of air down and why it's important. So airing down offers a much smoother ride on the trail. It can smooth out the bumps driving on a fire road, or it can help you through different obstacles. And it's really important if you have passengers that you may want to consider airing down to give them a little bit of comfort. Now, another reason is it allows the tire to grip to the obstacle by allowing more surface area and improved traction. This extra traction can mean the difference of getting over an obstacle easily or struggling and creating wheel spin that's really unnecessary in crawling. Now, another reason that airing down is important is that it actually treads lightly. And we've talked about this in the past about being kind to the trails. And what this means is there's less erosion to the trail system because you're distributing the weight of the vehicle over a larger contact patch. I think a lot of people don't understand that this is probably one of the most important reasons to air down. It does reduce the wear and tear on the trail, but it really gives you more traction by having more spread to be able to connect. And finally, airing down actually reduces the possibility of a puncture. Now think about puncturing a fully inflated balloon versus a partially deflated balloon. It's much harder to puncture that deflated balloon. Less air means less chance of a puncture. So there really are four good reasons to air down to help you when you're wheeling. Now, we always recommend airing down when on a trail, even on an easy road. It's amazing when a driver does and then says later, wow, that made a huge difference. So let's all try to reduce our footprint on the trails by airing down. It's easier on the roads and easier on the body. So I know, Josh, you probably air down. And, um, but have you noticed a difference by being aired down and crawling or driving on the fire roads? Before I answer that, I just want to go back to last okay. week's episode where I yeah. point out that Toyota owners are a lot like this <laughs> and, and how we've, we've, we've all seen, you know, that, that, that one guy on the trail and, and it's just, I mean, I'm, it's just, I don't know. I, I feel vindicated a little bit, uh, yes. uh, a little bit, you know, that <laughs> I, I got some, you know, some affirmation here that, that, you know, the, the crap talking that I was doing last week is, is being reinforced by real world examples that were oh, just my seen last week. <laughs> you know so, what was yeah, funny about I, that? Oh, this trail had, there were four people in this group, four different vehicles. One was the thing. Do you guys remember that vehicle? Oh, thing? Yeah. Oh yeah. The Volkswagen okay. thing. Yeah. The realistic little, uh, flame job. Yeah. Yeah. Little tiny wheels. I'm surprised he even, I mean, it's a basic fire road, but there are some interesting things, but he made it through. Next is this really set up Jeep that they, we had stopped and asked him, hey, how come you're not aired down? Um, And nobody knew what that meant and nobody had equipment to air back up. I'm not kidding you. So we kind of passed and kept on going, but he, the guy made a comment. We're testing this Jeep out. We're going to see if we're going to buy it. We're thinking, duh. Um, The next vehicle was a Toyota Tacoma. And then there was this little Toyota truck, small, you know, just a regular size. Yeah. So we're doing our thing, training, doing what we're doing. And next thing we know, we see the thing make it through. Wow, that's pretty cool. And he's 
off by himself, gone. Next thing we hear, the revved up engine of this Jeep going crazy. I mean, he's this guy is on it thinking, dude, you're not buying it for speed. You're supposed to be buying it for crawling and see what it can do. So he zooms on past. Here comes the big full-size Tacoma. Then comes this little guy with his Toyota truck. I'm telling you, he stopped. It was like his head went, you know, spun around. And he's like, oh, I can do that. No, dude, you can't do that. You're just not equipped nope. for it. So the truck <laughs> might have been able to make it, but the driver for sure, yeah. no way. Yeah, so uh, you are vindicated, Josh, vindicated. Uh, let's jump in real you. quick and mention um, the, the, the one of the uh, – quite often I see in our reviews that people will say – they'll say good things about the show, but they'll add uh, it's a good show for beginners. And I, I kind of take issue with that because we have a lot of technical uh, information on this show that I think is, is more so than for beginners. But at the same time, I'm real happy that they noticed that because there are a, a bunch of people that are just getting into off-roading. They think it's a great idea and they hate asking questions. They don't want to be that guy that doesn't know what they're doing. That's and, right. And, and this show gives them an opportunity as a beginner to find out the things like Mm -hmm. why you air down so please don't think that we don't appreciate you being a new person and coming here and trying to learn we do and that's one of the reasons why we're going to continue one of the reasons why we have newbie nuggets so that you can that's learn right. these things so yeah. uh we're, we're just really happy that we can help the the newbies out there because we were all new at one point yep absolutely but so to Josh, answer your question answer yeah. your question no, no, wendy time's over Oh, okay. <laughs> moving on. Moving on. Too many, too many rabbit holes, Josh. <laughs> yeah. No, no, please go ahead. No, but I mean, it, it, it's common sense. I mean, when you air down, you are going to have more traction. Your Jeep is going to perform better off road. It's just a given. Um, there, there is no, there is no situation when off road airing down is going to be a detriment, where it's going to impede you in some way or another. Um, literally there, there, there is no cause for not airing down other than you don't have a way to air back up. Yeah. Uh, in yeah. that case, well, then you are just plain and simply unprepared is That's all. Me. Now, that being said, <laughs> I still encourage you to go out. You're just going to notice that your Jeep is not as capable as it could be because you are not, uh, you, you are not getting as much out of the traction out of your tires as you possibly could. Um, and, and so there, there are just, there are so many pros. There are almost no cons. To, uh, to airing down. And, and one of those things, you know, um, you know, preparing for, for off-road adventures, uh, if, if off-roading is going to be one of those things that you are going to do, you are going to do often, uh, you are going to, you know, really go into this hobby as it were and explore what trail crawling or, you know, trail driving and, and rock crawling is all about. You are going to need the tools to do that with and, and airing yeah. down and having the means to air back up is one of those tools. Um, just enjoy a backcountry road uh, to get on some logging roads and get up to some viewpoints and stuff like that. Clearly, you don't need to air down. And, and half the time, you don't even need four-wheel drive. Um, but, you know, if you're going to be out in the snow, sand, dirt, rocks, trails, etc., you've got to air down. You've got to have the means to air back up. It will make all the difference in the world. For example, and you guys correct me on this because you both have more experience with this than I do. You can be in two-wheel drive and then try to go up or through something, and you can't do it. Absolutely can't do it. You reach down there, you pop it into four-wheel drive, uh, full-time four-wheel drive, or not full-time, but part-time four-wheel drive, and it just goes right through it, easy peasy. Now, well, it, now it, it kind of depends on your tires, though, well, and what obstacle you're doing. 
Yeah, yeah, of course. No, but this, I'm just, is this, this is true. This is true. Just something that you that somebody probably has experienced. Now, think of the same thing with the tire pressure. You may have it in four wheel drive, and you it just doesn't want to go. It doesn't want to go right. forward. And now, uh, you, if you air down or have had the forethought to air down prior, it'll just go right through. So it's yeah. a combination of items that you learn how to do as as uh, your off road experience in, increases that makes it look so easy to go up, over, and through things. Well, and I think it's interesting, too, that when people are new, they don't know that the reasons for airing down. You know, someone oh, might yeah, say to course. air down. And then, of course, it's the question of, which we could do a whole segment on how far you air down, and, you know, because it all depends on tire and what you're doing. And But the bottom line is, I, I just think that people don't understand why you do it. And Lots of times we'll, we'll be wheeling with somebody and they're, you know, they're at 22 because somebody told them that's what they should do. And we're like, uh, oh. no, probably 12 or 14, oh, you know, just, depending on the tire. There you go. Yeah, yeah, and then, absolutely. And literally they're going, oh my gosh, what a difference. So, There's math involved. So, oh God. Yeah. So here's what I say. If you want your passengers to go with you, that's your family or maybe your wife or your significant other, whatever. Um, and but, you want them to enjoy, you need to air down. If you don't, then don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> they won't be back. <laughs> no, there, there's been a couple times just in this last month or so uh, when I've gone out and it's like, I'm, I'm just going out for the afternoon. I'm going out <laughs> just, just to hit a trail or sure. two. I literally yeah. am only going to be going gone from the house for a matter of two or three hours. Um, you know, much like Don's or, uh, uh, Bill's adventure when he ran out of gas. <laughs> yeah, make, yeah, make sure you have uh, gas. Yeah. I was just going to say. Right. <laughs> uh, but tank. the same sort of thing is is even though I know that I'm only going to be in four low for an hour, um, I'm going to air down at least a little bit because, I yes. mean, just the driving on the gravel roads to get to the trails to then get to the obstacles, it makes a big difference. It, it, it just it makes it a lot more comfortable. Um, and, and really, if you're not going for, for serious traction, if you're not going for serious performance and all you're going for is a degree of improved comfort, just drop it 10, 15 pounds. Going from uh, yeah, 35 to 20 idea. even is a massive difference in right. comfort level and, and, and a degree of traction. Uh, you go down from 20 to 15. Again, it, and we're talking about DVD to VHS here, people. It is a Absolutely. massive difference here. Family so, yeah, right. And and so, you know, <laughs> and going down even further, I mean, we're, we're we're talking about degrees of improvement here. And and so every 10 pounds that you drop or, or so, it's going to you're going to notice a difference. Also, yeah. uh, I think I think what it's been a long time since we've discussed uh, the the the, the uh, footprint of the tire based mm-hmm. on airing down. Uh, but I know that there's some videos out there on YouTube. I'll uh, try to remember to go find one and stick it in the show notes uh, for this episode. So if you, if you haven't seen those things, you can go over to jeeptalkshow.com and then look for the, uh, the YouTube video that we'll insert into uh, this, this uh, episode. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we probably have one on the Jeep 411 too. Oh, good. I'll, uh, I'll check that first. Yeah, because I think uh, I'm pretty sure we've covered that. But it is interesting. I think that um, people don't realize that when you can uh, – keep the trails going the way they are and not destroying them. And uh, wheel spin is detrimental to that along with people just, you know, being reckless like this Yahoo on his little Toyota trying to do that. All right. Well, I, w- I will mention that that's what you see on TV. You see these uh, high performance uh, built like a, uh, a brick, uh, you know, what house and uh, mm-hmm. they go out there with uh, 
uh, $100,000, $200,000 rigs and just beat the hell out of them and go as fast as they possibly can because that, that sells eyeballs. But that's not really what you want to do, I, I'm going to say, generally speaking, uh, in your Jeep. You, you don't need to have it at the, the rev limiter. You don't need to be hitting yeah. it at 60 miles an hour, uh, hitting mm-hmm. those rocks at 60 miles an hour. Uh, you really want something that's low and slow and get you up and over or through with minimal um, uh, damage to your vehicle. Uh, if you do exactly. it right, no damage to your vehicle. So uh, you, you may be learning this stuff from uh, the, the fancy things you see on television. It may have even sucked you into the four-wheel drive thing altogether. But mm-hmm. uh, what is it? Uh, there's a, a Fast and Furious or there's uh, Jeeps, which are slow and curious. So just <laughs> just think about the just think about slow and curious because that's kind Where of the way you want to get do it. all this material, Josh. Seriously, like is there is there like a library he just refers to? And I, I bam, don't know. I'm not I'm not privy to this information. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, reach out and let us know your newbie story. And if you have a topic or suggestion for newbie nuggets, let us know. And if you want more information, check out my YouTube channel at four. I'm sorry. And if you want more information, check out my YouTube channel and Jeep 4-1-1 with more tips, tricks, and techniques. From the mind of Nikki G. Hey, this is Nikki G. And I just got to say, Tammy, it was good to hear from you. I would just like to point out that I was one of the Zoom people first. And now Tammy's following suit and then everybody's going to join in now because I make it a cool thing to do. Uh, next, we'll have Josh in it. Then after that, nobody will want to be in it anymore. But that's not why I'm calling. I'm calling to tell you, Tammy, $600 for a windshield. Holy cow, that seems expensive. You could buy three XJs for that much money. <laughs> of course, all three of them will have cracked windshields. But I think they came from the factory like that. And I hate to break it to you, Tammy, but uh, you're missing radio antenna. Next to the D-ring, <laughs> the radio antenna is the second stolen. most stolen item off of a Jeep. Oh, no. So, uh, I don't think you lost it. I think you were a victim of theft. I would check local pawn shops and uh, <laughs> perhaps even fill out a police report. On a serious note now, I'd like to give a shout out to the North Carolina Jeepers Association. They're going to host their monthly Jeep night at the Small Bar in Ford Mill on September 21st. It's a Monday. Yeah, I know, but eh. It works. There's going to be music, cornhole tournaments, <laughs> volleyball, drinks, and most importantly, Jeeps. With a portion of the sales going to alternating charities. And this month's charity is Wheeling with CF. If you've got nothing to do September 21st, come on out to the small bar. Uh, I plan on being there unless the uh, Earth is invaded by aliens before then, which is, which is very likely to happen. All right, boys <laughs> and girls, I'll chat at you later. But wait, I can't leave on a serious note like this. <laughs> no. no. I like to tell you that no. I really don't trust stairs. They always seem like they're up to something. <laughs> All right, on that note, Nikki G out. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds great. And you know, oh. if there's cornholing going on, Nikki G is going to be a part of it. Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> You must have needed this every day. I need it! It's the Deep Talk Show's must-have stuff. Pick of the week for your Jeep.
All summer's been hot, there's no question. In fact, many regions have seen record heat waves this year, and one of the best ways to beat the heat is to take the doors off when you drive. Going doorless and topless is one of the best things about owning a Jeep, and nothing makes that open-air experience feeling better than sticking your leg out into the Airstream. No, no, not that large silver trailer <laughs> in the lane next to you. Keep your foot out of that thing. Now, what I'm talking about is Wrangler foot pegs. If you need a comfortable spot to place your foot after your doors are removed, then look no further than Skid Row Off-Road. They've been making amazing armor and accessories for the Jeep community for many, many years. And their entire line of foot pegs install in the lower door hinge on both the driver and passenger side of your Jeep, regardless of which Jeep that you drive. They're a set at comfortable angle. They're set at a comfortable angle and have something that many of the other manufacturers don't include rubber bumpers to prevent damaging your jeep's paint yeah who would have thought right no tools are required to install the foot pegs once your doors are off that is the ones that we have highlighted this week are specific to the yj wranglers as we don't give enough love to our yj friends in the sense that they have a custom yj letter logo cut out of the footrest metal they have them for cjs and ljs tjs and even jk owners as well and if you want something a little bit less on the nose will they even have his and hers versions as well, which have the word his or hers cut out of the footrest, respectively. <sighs> All are made in the USA from 316-inch steel. They are powder-coated with a semi-gloss black and come with all the hardware and instructions that you need to install them. Just another cool line of products from Skid Row. But beware, there are imitators out there. Skid Row has actually had a very hard time over the last couple few years with imitators copying their engineering and design. So wow. unless you are buying from Skid Row or an authorized retailer, you are likely buying a knockoff. I've seen uh, uh, JCR Off-Road talking about that. Uh, they even have uh, uh, some Chinese companies that are copying their yep. designs. And I think yep. that's one of the reasons why they keep uh, changing up their designs and making them better. So... Uh, I I feel their pain and, and I wouldn't like it either, but it it, it kind of has helped them innovate. So uh, it has, but they they've kind of been forced to. And I, yeah. I don't know if you guys know this, uh, whether it's relevant or not, but Skid Row actually was uh, facing some litigation because um, one of their one of their um, vendors, if you will, a, a company who they hire to do laser cutting of some of their steel, uh, leaked one of their designs now this is oh, this is yeah. proprietary uh information here this is this is something that you know we're talking about borderline corporate espionage here at this point um we're talking about designs and and and, and um stuff that that likely if not so expensive should have had a patent on it uh but but, but it didn't and for whatever reasons um those designs were shared to other people uh competitors if you will and so these other designs started flooding the market and were even being marketed under uh, Skid Row's, uh, uh, Skid Row's uh, logo, um, which was uh, being used illegally, in fact. And so there, there, was, uh, there was a lot of um, issues that they had to resolve um, and people accusing them of, of producing and selling uh, you know, sub-quality products. Uh, but it was all because of people copying their designs and trying to sell them as if they were Skid Row. Uh, so there, there's a huge story about this on their website. Um, I highly encourage you guys to look at it, uh, read it, because it is interesting reading. And, it, and it, it really does shine a light on on a big problem in the off-road industry as far as uh, ethical behavior and other companies, uh, primarily not based in the USA, uh, copying U.S. built products.
Well, now that you must have a set of these cool foot pegs from Skid Row Off-Road for your very own Jeep, we're going to make it easy for you. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com and look for the link in the show notes for episode 452. Hey, Jeep Talk Show. This is Justin P. from Web City. Just want to let you guys know, I used my Quadrotech gift card to uh, to purchase me a Smittybilt XRC 9500 winch. I had a tech oh, nice. question yeah. when installing it. Is uh, is the in cabin remote uh, like in cabin controls? Is that something I should explore when setting up a, setting up the winch? And also, is uh, should I be also be exploring maybe a wireless remote? Hey, hope to hear from you guys. Thank you. So uh, I would tell you that the in cab remote probably would not be the greatest of ideas because you kind of need to be able to see what's going on outside and where the cable is or the synthetic line. Uh, I do think the wireless remote is a really good idea because you can actually be uh, where uh, looking at where the, the, the cable or, or line is connected and monitoring where, how everything's going. Uh, In-cab, I, I think, is a, is a lot of fun. It's like it's kind of a neat idea, but I think the wireless remote is going to be uh, the most beneficial for you. I'm going to completely disagree. Oh, good. Uh, in fact, uh, I, not, like, like, I've, I've been winching for years. Um, I've been pulling cable for, for decades. Uh, and I will say that in, in every vehicle that I've ever winched or been been winching with or or even you know involved in a recovery with, a wired remote has been the best. And here is why: if you have a wireless winch remote, a uh, little key fob, it is uh, looks just like your your remote uh, for your alarm, if you will, or the keyless entry of your vehicle. Um, one, it's going to get in the way. It's a, it's another chunky thing that you got to put in your pocket, and it's just more weight on the keychain. Also. It has a battery, and that battery is required to have juice in order for that device to work and in order for you to pull yourself out of your recovery situation. Now, if you don't have the wired remote, you forgot it at home, you decided that you don't need it anymore because you have a wireless remote, well, now you are completely screwed, and uh, there is no backup at that point unless somebody else on the trail just so happens to have the same manufacturer of winches you do and has a wired remote that you can borrow. That is hoping for an awful lot. Now, yes, those batteries are probably good for years, but is that a chance that you want to take years down the road? No, of course not. Um, secondly, you are rarely ever outside of your vehicle winching your own vehicle. There is never going to be a situation, hardly ever a situation, where you are going to be out of the driver's seat and operating the winch, unless you are just straight pulling cable. Now, at that point, you're, you're going you're to be back in the driver's seat. Um, you, you know where your winch line is. You know what is in between where you've hooked up at and where the winch is because you're the one who pulled the cable. Um, likely, you're going to be the one who is pulling the cable. And 99% of the time, it is you who is pulling the cable to get yourself out of your situation. Yeah, you might have a very, very generous spotter who is willing to pull cable and hike up the trail or into the woods to attach to that tree for you, but that is also a rare occasion. Um, again, you're going to be operating the winch and the gas and the brake and the steering wheel all at the same time because it is you who is in control of where that Jeep is on the line itself. You don't want somebody else operating your winch. You don't want to be operating that winch while not in control of the vehicle. Hence, you're not going to be outside of the vehicle. Every wired remote has the length of wire capable enough of attaching to the winch itself, going through either the passenger or the driver's side window, and sitting in your lap. 
capable of operating the winch without viewing it. You don't need to see which buttons are going in and out. You can, mm -hmm. you know that, um, and you know the line that you need to take. And at that point, it's up to you to operate the gas, the wheel, uh, the steering wheel, and the brakes, and the winch control to get you out of that situation and on the line that you want. So the wired remote is always going to be the best bet. It is always going to work. It is always going to be the most reliable. It is always going to be the go-to option, and it's going to be the safest option as well. The only thing that I would say is, is if you're going to start going down this route as far as modifying your controls would be to relocate the winch controls to inside the engine compartment. This gets them out of the weather. It gets them out of you know harm's way, as it were, um, and, and, and puts that controller box and those relays and solenoids underneath the hood where they're out of the weather and the elements and all that other stuff. It's going to just lengthen the lifetime of that winch system. So what do you think, Wendy? I actually agree with Josh. However, I have seen the wireless work. It is pretty sweet because you're completely removed from it. But I do agree with Josh. I think I like the wired better. That's what I do and what we've used. It gives you mm -hmm. better control, I think. There's a lot of possibilities of someone on a wireless touching a button or doing something while somebody's close to it. Maybe they get a hand caught. I just, I think there's ways you can get in trouble with the wireless more so than with the other one. So, but I do agree with Josh. What'd you think about the end cab? I'm not sure. I understand. I don't know. Well, he was so asking for, about in cab or in the wireless. And when I was so, looking at it, I was thinking of the standpoint of actually pulling somebody else out and actually being able to, to watch what's going on with the, the vehicle that you're winching out. Uh, certainly, if you're winching yourself out, uh, like you said, Josh, you're going to be behind the steering wheel. But I think wireless still has a uh, – has. it's nice from the standpoint of you don't have to worry about the control cable getting actually into the winch uh, itself, which is always a concern that I have because once that uh, wired controller is uh, wound up inside there, it's not going to be working. And also, too, I don't know of any system. I don't know of any system that only comes with a wireless remote. And I took it from him that he was thinking about getting a wireless remote in addition to the wired. So that's well, yeah, the reason. That, the, that's the reason why I said, yeah, I think wireless is a great idea in addition to having the wired because I think they all come yeah. with it. Except some of the well, new Ward winches that are all wireless and they have a mount for the wireless controller that you just mount right there on the dash. Yeah, I, I'm not a fan. Not a fan. I don't blame the, you. Yeah. Cab, Wired is always better. Controls, in-cab controls as well. That's a whole separate kit that has to be purchased, yeah. just like the extra key fob for the wireless uh, wireless control. That is an extra expense. Typically, those are not cheap. They're in you know excess of one or two hundred dollars uh, as well. Um, and you for the in-cab control, uh, you need to have somebody who's qualified to to you know be running wire and, and hooking things up. It's not just a matter of you know just hooking stuff up to the battery terminals. There's a little bit more involved in that. And, and not to mention, you have to have a place to mount this system. Um, you have to have a, a safety type of switch, something that you're not going to be bumping as you're you know, going over the speed bump, going into the McDonald's or something like that. Um, it, this typically involves uh, cutting holes in your dash or mounting a plate somewhere. Uh, this is vehicle modifications. These are interior modifications that most people are not comfortable with. Um, so in-cab con uh, winch controls, and uh, there aren't very many kits out there, um, oftentimes also involve, you know, fabricating stuff up yourself, putting the kit together yourself. And unless you really know what you're doing, you know, this, this can end up uh, biting you in the butt. So, you know, I, I, I stay away from in-cab controls. You want in-cab in control, bring your remote in into the cab with you. Um, and, and it's, I mean, the same amount of attention to detail 
and, and safety and everything goes into plugging that controller in and wiring it into your cab as it does pulling that cable out and hooking it up you know, to whatever anchor point that you're hooking it up to, whether it be another vehicle or a tree strap using a, um, a snatch block system or something like that. You know, There's a lot of things that go into a recovery using a winch, and if you're not paying attention, well, I mean, there's a lot of things that can happen. Yeah, you could snap a cable. Um, if you're standing in the wrong place, if you hook things up wrong, I mean, there's mm-hmm. all kinds of things that can get you in trouble, including not watching where you're running that wire after you've hooked up your winch controller. Yeah. I mean, it just, it's yes, a matter of exactly. common sense and, and it goes a long way. If you're the kind of person that can't pay attention when you're hooking up a winch cable, well, then you, you probably don't, it. you shouldn't be hooking it up to begin with. Yeah. Well, that's so, right. You know, uh, talking about getting a ca- getting a controller cable wound up in the winch line. I mean, there would have to be a degree, uh, such a degree of gross negligence that, that mm-hmm. likely you shouldn't have been on the trail to begin with. Well, but it, yeah. but it still can happen. It doesn't no, matter. I mean, it, it doesn't it matter what you're as much as your Jeep suddenly exploding it's, it's, on the trail. It's, all, I mean, it, it, it's almost happened to me, Josh, in the driveway because I wasn't no. looking at the. Yeah, as I because I didn't notice the, the, the cable that, drooped down by the by the winch. And I was just I was just but, I was just pulling the cable out and winding it back up. And I, I almost got the the controller cable uh, uh, sucked into the winch, just simply but because you, it was. I just I I'm baffled I, at, as to, me too. As to how I, I'm that's with you, Josh awesome. going. personal experience, and I, I don't consider myself an idiot. So I figure no, if I can do it, other people that. can too. No, definitely. Well, no, just, he, just, he's saying gross negligence, which is uh, synonymous with me anyway, as, as being stupid <laughs> or an idiot. So, I'm well, just not paying attention. I was paying attention. I was paying attention to the winch and the cable that I was spooling in, not the controller cable. So what does that mean? You were holding it at the same angle that you're pulling the wire out. I mean, that's I, I'm holding I'm holding the, the the end of the cable or holding the cable with a with a glove, winding it into the yes. the winch, the the drum, and I've got the controller right there in the other hand. So it's it's right there next to the the other side. I mean, I'm not right at the uh, at the fairly, but I'm I'm back a little bit, and it just it got sort of getting. Uh, I don't know if it actually started getting pulled in or it was like, oh crap, that's that's kind of close. I don't want that sucked in there. So, uh, and that's another okay. reason why I think having a separate another controller, even if it's a battery operated one, is not a bad idea. And, and by the way, I'll mention, and I need to verify this, but it is my understanding that if you're a MacGyver fan, you can get one of those little paper clips in a uh, in a box and use that to, as a winch controller. Yeah, well, <laughs> just put the little just put the little paper in there. Technically speaking, you are correct. <laughs> So no, that's just my my most of the time. Whenever I come up with something, I'm telling you guys something. It's because of personal experience. I certainly mm-hmm. don't have the same amount of experience that you guys do. And and frankly, my experience with the winch has been winching other people out, not myself. So that's the that's the way I address this. I think in cap control is a bad idea. But I will mention this. I got to mention this. I love this uh, this thing that happened. I was driving home from school. So this is high school. It was a horrible horrible maybe even a tropical uh disturbance that was coming through it was pitch dark outside during the middle of the day and i was driving home wow. took uh took a curve uh from deer park uh, uh going down 225 onto uh, 146 and i took that curve going too fast and i spun out into the uh there was a lot of water i spun out into all this grassy area and uh this jeep and i it must have been a cj especially at that time uh, comes out and it is just pouring down. I'm stuck. I'm stuck out there in the grass and the water and everything. And this jeep pulls up. I jump out of the. Uh, I jump out of my car and run over there because I figure he's going to try to help me out. 
never saw the guy's face. Hell, it could have been a woman. Uh, all I saw was a lifted Jeep, had a winch on the front, and I can't even remember how they told me to go to the winch. I had never messed with a winch before, but they were able to, uh, to spool it out, and I walked over there and found a place in this horrible rain, lightning, everything, found a place to hook it onto my, my vehicle, and they never got out. They had to have had an in-cab control in there, and they winched me out. I got on the road. Uh, again, never saw them, never spoke with them, waved to them. Man, and, and for 1943, that's impressive yes, technology. absolutely. So ever since that <laughs> happened, I when I got a winch, I wanted to in-cab control because I want to mm. be the, the, the nice dry guy inside the Jeep that just went somebody out. <laughs> All right. Well, we beat the hell out of that one. Um, yeah. Boy, <laughs> no. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Mmm, I love the smell of uh, burning lightning-struck trees in the morning. Oh, well. <laughs> Thankfully, uh, well, at least the uh, the wildfires out here in Oregon are, are diminishing. Are you, seeing, are you seeing those? I know there was a bunch in uh, California. In fact, I saw a video about Paradise. The whole town of Paradise was, was pretty much wiped off. And, of course... Steve, How did that uh, happened last year. It, I don't, I, that's I don't know. what I thought too, because I remember asking Steve for Point yeah. LXJ if he was doing okay. He goes, "Oh yeah, that's over in Paradise." So apparently he's not. Uh, he's <laughs> Paradise adjacent, not in yeah, Paradise. <laughs> so I didn't bother asking him this time. I figure if he's uh, sending us emails, he must be okay. Right. Right. Well, you know, uh, with that sort of stuff, I mean, accidents happen, carnage happens, weather happens, wear and tear even happens, whatever happens, however long it was, what was the longest that your Jeep was down for repairs or modifications? Uh, my, me personally, I think it was, what, Tony, about three years oh, uh, between the, uh, the, uh, the, my, my Jeep, my, my motor basically blowing up and and having to do a, a full top end rebuild on it be, between the time that happened and the time that it was uh, back on the road, I think was about three years almost. Um, and, and so, I mean, that that is a long time. Oh, and it was uh, it was terrifying too because speed. every three and a half months, your uh, daily driver was being taken for. It's uh, true. A week. No, it's it's true because <laughs> at the time, I mean, I was uh, you know the Jeep has been for the I don't know better part of, of ten years been uh, pretty much just a weekend warrior, uh, and, and so it's just been a toy. Uh, and I've had other vehicles because I've had a, a very lengthy commute up until recently. Um, and, and so I needed a more fuel efficient vehicle. Spending $400 a month just in gas just to get to and from work, uh, you know, doesn't really pencil out for me. Uh, so, you know, I had other vehicles and one of them was the America's most stolen vehicle ever, <laughs> the 1996 or 97 Honda Accord. Um, and uh, that was stolen from me five different times. Um, so yeah, the, Tony is speaking the truth when he says that. So, uh, but yeah, so, I mean, and, and so uh, based on these kind of experiences, I'm curious if somebody else has had this kind of experience. Now I'm not talking about your seventh Jeep that, that CJ three, a who's been sitting in the field for the last 20 years. That doesn't count. Um, now I know that the one you depend people, on the, the one right, you love, not, the, 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 the people who, you know, are likely who are going to be listening to the show who are in the, the zoom chat room tonight are, are going to be people who either a have a Jeep as a toy like myself or B have a Jeep as a daily driver, uh, much like my Jeep was before it came into toy status. So we're going to go down the list. We've got seven different uh, uh, listeners here with us tonight, um, all from different points of the U.S., uh, all with different Jeeps, and and all are going to have a different take on on this particular topic. Um, and so I'm just going to go down the list. We're going to ask the people uh, the questions and, and find out where, where they sit with this. 
So Carolina Jeepster Doug, uh, he's in the house tonight. Uh, Carolina Jeepster Doug, what was the longest your Jeep has ever been down for repair or for, for a modification? So uh, when I did my uh, long arm lift kit, I got a uh, uh, steering from the same company. And I also had the Poison Spider differential cover. Well, I had a problem with the Poison Spider differential or the uh, Poison Spider differential cover was too thick for the steering upgrade I got. Oh, yeah. And I had to switch back to the stock and it caused it to rub. So I was down for about, I don't know, about three weeks at the most. But I don't know. That's I, I overnighted some parts in because it was kind of my daily driver and I didn't like Well, driving. that was the question I was about to ask, Doug. Was was this your daily driver at the time? Because that makes a big difference in, in, in things. And, and as far as the motivation, too, behind uh, the repair or modification. Yeah, I mean, uh, if it if you want to go with the longest it sat, I mean, it sat for 11 months with one tank of gas in it. But, you know, that was a deployment. So that was a whole different deal. But, uh, um yeah, it, it's only been about three weeks it's ever sat at any given time. That's not too bad. I mean, all things considered, uh, you know, did you did you have any indications, any warnings, any red flags, you know, other people's reviews or anything like that with the Poison Spider uh, diff cover and the particular steering system that you went with uh, about having some, you know, some, some issues working well with each other? No, I didn't. Um, and uh, me and my buddy had, put the uh long arm lift kit on and and i took us 14 and a half hours to put it on drove it home that night and it the the steering just wouldn't fit it it i i had no no turning angle oh man now was uh was po uh, possibly going to offset uh tie rod ends would would that you think that would have fixed the issue or was there just the, not enough room in the wheel wells for that no, the the offset tie rod ends was uh, would have been perfect. Uh, I I ended up going to uh, Dynagger is what I ended up going with was their uh, uh, true crossover steering on the TJ and mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. and I know they make it. I know Cafab makes it. It's all you know. They all look about the same. I think there was right. another company before Beadley that used to make it. And uh, as soon as I switched over to that, I I mean it's. It's, it's, it's night and day. Um, love it. Um, but well, good. Uh, there's, a, there's a happy ending to the story at the very least. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I drove the Jeep to the, to the gas station and I'd grab cigarettes. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's <laughs> there you good go. to go now. Right on. So moving on chip, um, where are you at with, with modifications and, 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 you know, uh, repairs and stuff like that with your Jeep? Has it ever been down for, for three weeks or more? I mean, a month or, or, or more than that, uh, you know, what's the longest your Jeep has been down? Well, the, my primary Jeep, so you kind of preface this by me not being able to talk about my CJ7. Exactly. It was which, because of you. Oh, see, <laughs> see. <laughs> yeah, but, we know where but, you go. But, but the rest of that story, so I bought the CJ7 to wheel. I, I had eight weeks to get it ready, and my mechanic said, no problem. And after four and a half years, I just got it back two weeks ago. So, <laughs> no, <laughs> oh my God. So, so, so because my Jeep was in the shop for four and a half years, I went out and bought a different Jeep. So my primary Jeep, it's a 2014 JK. Um, and it was only down for a week during my mods when I was doing the lift and 
ball joints, wheel bearings, and all kinds of other stuff, shocks. Uh, so that week, though, we were working on it every night in the shop, but it was just take. It took us that long because we were just working after hours and stuff. So just yeah. for one week on my primary, but four and a half years is probably my record on the CJ7. You got to wonder after what year two, you know, it's like, hey, what's going on? We've seen a couple Christmases now. Uh, just kind of <laughs> curious when I'm going to get delivery. Uh, you well, know, because I've seen I've seen off road uh, like off road shop. There's one actually just a half mile from me, uh, and it's changed ownership. I don't know three times in the ten years that I've been in this house. Uh, so I mean, it's it. I've seen companies go out of business in that period of time. Uh, off road shops specifically dedicated to working on vehicles like this go out of business in the time that it would have taken you to get your Jeep back. Was there ever a concern? During that time, like, well, crap, I'm never going to see this thing again. No, because so the guy that was working on it's a good friend of mine that's a mechanic and a tow truck guy, and he's really busy. I mean, if you had a, if it was your primary daily driver, he'd stay up all night and get you running the next day. Oh, but okay. my problem was he knew this was going to be a toy, and he just kept pushing me back because he had other jobs he was working on. And and I think, I don't know, he just, he, it sat in his shop. It was actually blocking up like a, portion of his shop for those all that time he had it inside but uh yeah just a good friend and i i just had no, all sounds the like it. in the world i i'd go and see him about once or twice a week and say hey, how's it coming and They're bugging him every about now and then it, i'd sure. see a little something but yeah it took him it took him six months to build a bracket for the carburetor so it was yeah oh my god <laughs> he's a great all guy right. good friend so, yeah, so hey. josh i suspect those businesses weren't necessarily going out of business because of poor ownership, poor management, they, the, the owners were probably being killed or uh, maimed because they weren't getting the Jeeps back to people within four and yeah, a half right. years. <laughs> well, yeah. that, that had to be one of those, you know, extreme circumstances. I had four and a half years of a vehicle at a shop. I mean, obviously, if it was a daily driver, a primary vehicle, uh, that wouldn't happen. Uh, you know, it's just a toy. Right. You're not relying on this vehicle. It's not even, right. you know, part of the fleet, you know, as it were. Uh, yeah, right. there's, there's no priority to that. I can sort of understand that sort of thing, you know, but still, no, still that's, uh, that's something else. Uh, but what about, uh, what about Greg, Greg, uh, what, where are you at with as far as, uh, how long your Jeep has been down? I'd say probably about three weeks, uh, just getting parts in for different modifications and, uh, <clears throat> not having it all together. We probably could have driven it, but just to, just to be safe, we didn't want to drive it nowhere. And it was, uh, between school uh, school seasons, it was during Christmas time, right before COVID hit, and uh, he was able to. And we had a spare car, so he was able to drive it. And, you know, my son was able to drive it, so we just let the Jeep sit there until all the parts came in. We put it together one weekend, and uh, didn't have, you know he was able to go. So it was really no reason to not drive it, other than not having the parts that we wanted. And, you know, there well, was, that makes uh, sense. We, we I mean, you know, if you're yeah, we took the track bar out and uh, we put the double steer track bar in and oh, we drove good, it good around upgrade. right after we did that, but without a lift. And so it was bumpy every time you go over a, any type <laughs> of a mm. pothole or bump, you get a real big thud. And so we decided it was best to wait for the lift to come in before we started driving it. So that's why we uh, we waited. 
Yeah. I was going to ask what, what 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 kind of parts you were waiting on, but uh, you went ahead and answered my question ahead of time, so that, that's pretty good. But that I mean, that's almost a month without without the Jeep. You know, I mean, thankfully there were other vehicles, uh, you know, around the driveway that you could uh, you could fall back on. But still, I mean, nobody likes to go that long without driving a vehicle that they enjoy driving, and and certainly we all enjoy driving our Jeeps. Um, what about Travis? Travis, I'm sure you've got a great story for us as far as uh, <laughs> this last you know, week. That, well, <laughs> that 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 YJ that you've had for 37 years uh, that you, <laughs> I'm sure it's been down a time or two. It's been down a time or two or three or four. Um, that said, initially 11 years. Um, that that said, 11 years. I drove it. We have a winner. Daily. <laughs> <laughs> and and I drove it day in day out. It broke down and I parked it um, and I let it sit and I let it sit and I let it sit and I was out of the Jeep life. Had no idea. Uh, had different things going in life. Made choices, good and bad. And then I said, you know what? I need to rebuild my Jeep. And I started rebuilding it. Uh, once I rebuilt it, the engine itself getting in and doing right. Uh, was a year once I made that decision. That was year ten. Uh, rebuilt the or excuse me, pulled a Comanche engine out. Had it completely rebuilt. Oh wow! Um, out of Comanche, which I hate, I pulled the engine out of. I should have bought that on its own mm, and yeah. rebuilt that guy. But pulled a Comanche engine with the fuel injection and was in heaven. Had it rebuilt, put it in my Jeep, and we were good to go. Um, that said, drove it for a while, decided I want to keep modifying it, modifying it, modifying it, um, decided different things I wanted to do. And one of those were fenders and exhausts and different things. The fenders working with a shop, uh, you know, I, I expected, you know, two weeks, but I wanted to work with the shop and do it myself with their advisement and that took me three months um i was able to work in their shop and have their support and three months later i got it out put it into paint wanted to paint it myself wanted to do it myself had a great friend from mining or not mining uh whatever the big national and she's gonna hate me right now if she ever hears this uh paint shops helped me and we sanded it nightly. That was a two-week process. Um, I put it down because once it broke down and was not my daily driver, I ended up buying a cheap little car and honestly lost the Jeep life for 10 years until I decided, hey, I'm going to rebuild and start making this my life again. Well, at least you didn't uh, s- you didn't sell the sell the Jeep, which I, I think a lot yeah. of people would have. So. That, that's where I was going to go with this, is, is 10 years, you know, 11 years, basically, of, of the Jeep being down. Um, and uh, uh, y- during that entire time, even, you know, pretty much, I mean, after year three, four, five, even, I mean, okay, I've let go <laughs> of the Jeep life, this? you know, that, that sort of thing. Um <laughs> You know, you still held on to it, though. Yeah, um, you know, obviously that that could have been sold off to pay for bills or you know groceries, whatever. Um, especially if you've got some trials and tribulations going on. Um, the fact that you were able to hold on to it and, and kept it, even in that condition, even through all those years, and then still made the decision. You know what? I've got to get that thing going again, and got back into the Jeep life. That is just an amazing story unto itself. 
Thank you for sh- uh, sharing with that, uh, Travis. Um, Chris, you know, I'm sure that you've had modifications or, or maybe even trail carnage. I'm not sure. What's the longest your Jeep has been down? Maybe a night or two. I've been fortunate to not have too many major issues, but uh, just just a night or two here and there. It is my daily driver, so I need ah. to be prepared and get it done as expeditiously as expeditiously as possible. So yeah, kind, yeah. Of, kind of boring there. No more than maybe a night here or there, just because. No man, I, I've been there. I remember the first time I had a uh, uh, was it a wheel bearing go out? No, it was. Um, I think it was a, a, a U-joint or something in my front axle and, uh, and had to replace it. Uh, and I didn't have a press at the time. This was my daily driver. I needed a ball joint installed, uh, removed rather, ASAP. And, and so thankfully, I was, uh, I was a member of a forum at the time, um, had, a, had some local Jeepers who was, I was in regular contact with, uh, reached out to everybody. Thankfully, in a matter of a couple few hours, I was able to get a hold of somebody who, granted, he was an hour drive from me, uh, but says, "You bring it over here, I'll press it out for you," and uh, and tried it on 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 his one press. It didn't work. Had to go move it over to the hydraulic press. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, and 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 when that thing finally released, it shot almost through his wall. Um, it was so you know rusted up and 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 just bound up into there. Uh, that thing finally released out, out of the yoke and was like, oh, well, at least now I can get there, to work in the morning. There's your problem. Uh, but so, yeah, no, <laughs> I understand. I mean, and there's probably I, everybody within the sound of my voice right now who has their Jeep as a daily driver who has encountered one issue or another uh, where, you know, crap, you know, this just went out on my way home or at night when I was going to go on a grocery run or something like that. I've got to go to work the next morning and I need this fixed immediately. And so it's, it's, you know, all hands on deck. I've got to get to the part store, got to get that part. And you're going to be up all night if that's what it takes just to get that thing fixed because you've got to go to work the next morning. Chris, I applaud your work ethic and, 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 you know, doing what it takes and, and doing the due diligence to get that Jeep running again, just to, to where you can get to work the next day. So hats off to you, my friend. And uh, congratulations for not uh, incurring any serious carnage or, or repairs or modifications that had your Jeep down for, for weeks, months, or even years. Uh, so Isaac, Isaac 95YJ, uh, if you do indeed have a 95YJ, then chances are you've had a Jeep that's been <laughs> around the block for a few years, and that Jeep has probably seen a few issues of its own. Isaac, how long has your Jeep been down for? So while it was my daily driver, it was... It was down for two weeks, but it switched from being my daily driver after those two weeks were up because at the time and with my age, it was cheaper for me to buy a beater and not rent a car. And so Mm, that's what mm -hmm. I did after the original two week lease or not lease, but the two two week contract was up on the rental car. I bought a 86 Cherokee and I <laughs> used that for like four months while I fixed the Wrangler back up. And then I sold the Cherokee and kept the Wrangler. Just out of so, curiosity, it was more did than just get, two weeks, but just out of curiosity, did you get out right? of the Cherokee what you paid for it? That's what I was wondering. Um, I did not. Um, I, Probably just paid too much for it up front because mm. I was in a bit of a rush to get a vehicle because I didn't want to rent the car anymore because I was like, this is ridiculous paying what I am yeah. every day to have a rental 
when I could buy a car and, you know, if I needed it for more than like three weeks, I could have thrown the car out and still been ahead. I was going to say it's probably cheaper uh, even yeah. uh, so, yeah. than a rental. Depending on how you look at the, depending on how you looked at the math. Yeah. But I liked the Cherokee, but it was a carbureted and I didn't oh. really know anything about a carbureted vehicle. And I was using it in the winter all the time. And oh, just about geez. every time I filled up on gas, I could not get it to start afterwards. Wow. Undocumented Well, feature. certainly frustrating. <laughs> Definitely frustrating. I can only imagine. But, you know, I mean, again, you did, did what you had to do. You even went with another Jeep. So, you yeah, know, of course. I, I applaud that, too. That's, that's pretty cool, man. That's pretty cool. I uh, gotta wonder what whatever happened to that old Cherokee uh, and where where it is today. Probably cash for clunkers. I don't know. Uh, Jared, how about you? Uh, what kind of Jeep do you have, and and how long has it been down for? So I've got a JK, and it's been down a couple of times for you know random little things like oil pressure sensors and some things like that. The longest it's been down for was a couple of weeks. I made the foolish decision to um, go up Long Canyon in Moab. If anyone's familiar with it, it's actually a pretty tame trail. It's the one that's really famous for having a part of the rock that you can like drive underneath like it, as if it's a tunnel. Anyways, I decided it's quite steep and I made the foolish decision to try it out in the winter and <laughs> um, slid the Jeep into the side of a rock wall and it really put a number on my um, Gobi roof rack, it bent it all out of shape, and I never knew that it was going to work as a like a roof rock slider. So in hindsight, it actually was pretty nice. It yeah. prevented a lot of body damage, <laughs> but it took a little while to get that cleaned up and get it straightened out, and having to kind of straighten the metal on it back out and get it repainted and do a little bit of touch ups on the you know driver's side mirror and a few things like that but nothing too long i don't use it as a daily driver so it was okay for it to be out for you know a couple weeks for some repairs not too shabby not too shabby i'm actually looking up that long canyon trail in in moab utah right now i this one i am not familiar with but uh but yeah some really cool rock formations there where you kind of go through that one gigantic boulder kind of uh angled off to one side and and yeah you kind of go through it almost like a tunnel uh, as if you were a really really cool trail uh, so I can't imagine running that in the winter or snow, ice, anything like that. That must've been pretty insane. Well, I can't thank all of our listeners enough for uh, participating and sharing personal stories about their Jeeps. And, and I know this is kind of one that's in a, in a little bit of a negative light uh, in that sense, but it's, it's nice to hear other personal stories, other Jeepers who uh, may have had personal uh, experiences much like your own. Uh, we're all one big, happy Jeep family. And uh, well, it's nice to share stories every now and again. We're doing this each and every week with each and every episode. It's a different topic each and every time. And, of course, uh, well, different opinions on this topic each and every time. We'd love to hear yours. We'd love to have you on the next episode. If you'd like to join in on the Campfireside Chat, we'd sure love to have you. Just head over to our Facebook page. Make sure you have friended, liked us over there. Uh, we always are putting out the uh, the links for that as well. And, of course, the best way to stay in and uh, informed as far as upcoming events would be to be uh, joined in on our newsletter and subscribe to that. It is free. It just goes to your email box once a week. And, uh, and well, you can find out all kinds of information and stuff about what's going on on the show and with the hosts. Uh, be sure to join in the Campfire Side Chat next week. Go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and find out all the other ways that you can reach out to us and join in on the fun. And, Tony, what is the link if somebody wanted to join in or uh, get a subscription to that newsletter? It is free. How would they do it? 
Just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash newsletter. Your little screen will come up, and uh, there'll be a place that you can type in your uh, email address. Oh, and of course, you can unsubscribe at any time. Well, who said that they could do that? <laughs> no, we were. It was supposed to be a one-time thing. No opting Once out. What's in, going on here? You can't get out. <laughs> well, that's it for the show for this week, my fellow Jeeper. Until next week, be sure to like and friend us on Facebook, and we swear Tony won't be stalking much. And as always, thank you for listening to the world's most downloaded Jeep podcast. Warning. If you can't type Jeep without capitalizing the first E, then your brain is as damaged as mine. Podcasting since 2010.